Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Is This a Thing? We just had some salty discourse off air. It was uh, quite something. <laughs> That's the most we've argued in a long time. It felt good. It felt good. <laughs> Just real catty, man. That's what happens behind the scenes here at Why Is This a Thing? Yeah. The, the emotional spectrum that uh, Nico's face went through. <laughs> there was like was... a 10 second period where I saw the entire range of emotions. Because it was definitely Nico who's the most upset. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm just very upset these days, man. A lot to be upset about. <laughs> just saw the Jets schedule the other day. We're going oh. 4 and 13. <laughs> Ooh. Fucking disaster, dude. Less. Just upset a lot lately. You gotta underestimate. Is that is that underestimating? Uh, I'd say it's overestimating. No, (laughs) it's awful. I heard the Bengals were investing in their defense Uh, to keep their guy from getting sacked every ten seconds this year. Yeah, um, (laughs) good move. Yeah, yeah, it's. uh, Well, what are you gonna do? Yankees just lost last night. They blew like an eight-game winning streak. I have to fix this mic stand. This yeah. is a disaster. I, so I have this old uh, arm, this metal arm, like we all have here, uh, to suspend the microphone in front of us. And I guess the the main hinge has loosened on it. So I'll just be mid-sentence and that will happen. And the mic will just descend like six inches. Yeah, it, Nick made a great point when we were uh, arguing. Because Nico, you know, he's making some solid points. And then... Uh, <laughs> Every time his mic tips over, he just like loses all credibility. It's he like just it looks <laughs> foolish. <laughs> it's like imagine you're watching a presidential debate and the no, guy's exactly. mic just falls down. You're no, it's like, like Mike Pence and the fly on yeah, his head. Exactly. Right. right. It's right. not like he's he, he could have been delivering wrong. the Gettysburg address yeah. and he would have looked like an idiot. You know, <laughs> the fucking fly on his head. I have a dream. Oh god. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Story of my life. <laughs> Good arguments. I just look like a moron <laughs> delivering them. That's the Nico story. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, Adam's back. Yeah. I'm going to guess you didn't go on this trip. Is that correct? No. Are you kidding? We fucking went on this trip and I will not hear anything of the otherwise, dude. It was you don't a, look like you're, a, you're, trip. you're a weary traveler. I, I, you know, I, I, I fix myself up nicely. You know, okay. I'm clean shaven. My, I got a haircut. I'm, I don't have any bags under my. I'm, I'm set. Yeah. God, we, what's that like? We didn't, <laughs> we didn't sleep much, but uh, we did a, a hell of a lot of driving. How are the Appalachian Mountains of of Pennsylvania doing these days? Uh, it's beautiful, but it takes so fucking long to get through Pennsylvania. Is there a worse state yeah. to drive through oh in my. America? I, I was, I was because I went with my dad. And and I'm sure you guys did you talk about what I was doing or do I need to explain it now? You probably do. I think we <sighs> we briefly mentioned it last week, but you probably said something along the lines of I don't know what what Adam's doing. Yeah, that's uh, probably what it was. He's always well. Up to I something. think the exact <laughs> words were Adam's dead. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Jesus that. Christ, you've been reborn. Well, I think what? we speculated you were at a Bitcoin concert or conference with corn. I think is what. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, the band. Oh, I was like, Bitcoin for corn? What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Oh, you mean the band corn. I love corn. Well, it was one of our running jokes back in the day when Zach wouldn't show up that he was at a fish concert. (laughs) Remember, that was always the go-to. Fish concert. Uh, it's just some nonsense. I have a friend that fucking loves fish. fish. I don't know why, but like... 
every time they play Madison Square Garden, he like goes. He pays, <laughs> he pays like five hundred dollars for fish tickets. <laughs> Limited amount of times to see fish. He's been uh, uh, many times. And I guess last time he was there, uh, fish somehow uh, hung dolphins from the rafters. Real dolphins? No, they were like mechanical (laughs) dolphins. dolphins. (laughs) Just fucking cage dolphins. Just like fucking hilarious. Shamu! (laughs) Look what they're doing to our whales. <laughs> Real dolphins, says Adam. Yeah, apparently fish is just really out there. They're like Cirque du Soleil all of a sudden. Fish, like they just have the most elaborate live shows. They're also one of those bands, kind of like the Dave Matthews band, where one three-minute song will take them 17 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because they'll fill it with like, you know, random riffs and okay. improv and shit. Jeez. Is that what they do at a Dave Matthews concert? I've never been. Yeah, I haven't either. Okay. But I'm a big Dave. We've talked about this. I'm a big Dave Matthews fan. You're a freak. There's something the matter with you. The hardest ticket to get. The hottest ticket in town every time they're here. Aside from Black Panther. You remember that? Oh, yeah. That was a tough one. That's tough. Yeah. That was a tough ticket to score. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's it's wild, man. Fish and Dave Matthews, man. Anyway, where, where were you? <laughs> oh, yes. I was uh, traveling the country going from Connecticut to Indiana mm. to get a dog. Yeah. To get a pup. Did the pup survive the trip back? Didn't make a, a sound. It was amazing. Wow. Very well-behaved dog. Uh, the story behind this is that my brother is shipping out to the army now. He's gone from the Marines to the army, and now he's- Is doing, that an upgrade or demotion or what? It's, by, it's a demotion by choice, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. I I, I don't I don't quite get it. Okay. I haven't interviewed him yet, yeah. but um, yeah, he's he wanted to do the army, so now he's out and about doing whatever. Uh, but they had far too many dogs, so it's just my brother's wife and my niece there with like eight dogs, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, we gotta get rid of some dogs, <laughs> <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say, but that's what they're trying to do. We need to we need to rehouse these dogs, right? Uh, but we have wanted this dog for a very long time because mm-hmm. they've uh, sort of teased the idea of getting getting rid of him is what they say. Yeah, for a while oh, there, see, Adam, see, Adam I, and I were kicking around the idea of traveling together. That almost happened completely across the country to San Diego. That almost happened. Yeah, we Adam and I almost just took three weeks out of our lives to do that. It was going to happen, and then they just said, "You know what? We're going to keep him because yeah. we love him so much." Yeah. See, and I, I thought the idea was like, as soon as my brother got this dog, we were like, "How am I going to fucking kidnap yeah. this dog?" <laughs> We've been scheming to get the dog. No, <laughs> he's a, he's a really really great. We dog, even made his yeah, life it, in the Marines hell just so he would go to the army, <laughs> where they have a clear seven dog policy. <laughs> what a strange. There's a line in the sand. God, this this sounds like a fucking uh, Nickelodeon movie plot. What a, it sounds say, like what the plot a, of crime. It's wave a weird absurdist me. plot, is what it is. <laughs> Do they make a movie about that? But anyway, yeah, it was a full 26 hours of driving. Not We, we took a break. Uh, what is the worst part of that drive, in your opinion? Pennsylvania. I, it's Pennsylvania. I totally agree. Pennsylvania. See, Ohio was cool to drive through. No, I was telling my dad this because I, I, I travel with my dad. And um, we, I was saying, like, Pennsylvania is great for about three and a half hours because the country is so beautiful. But then it's 
just I find it very overrated personally. Uh, I actually oh, don't find it that beautiful. Oh, I completely disagree with you. Yeah. Completely and utter- it's one of the most beautiful landscapes I've seen in a in a while. Um but it's just so long, man. Yeah, if you drive so through long. it between the months of like October and March, mm-hmm. which is half the year. Yeah. For those of you <laughs> listening at home, uh there are just car accidents left and right. Uh, more roadkill than I've ever ice. seen, by the way. A lot of roadkill, a lot of state troopers just camping out, yeah. fucking with you. Yeah. And also, nothing but Amish people. Yeah, yeah. I've actually never stopped at Amish country before. I don't know. You don't have to stop. You'll just see buggies. Right. Yes. You'll see them. I, I've always kind of wanted to go check that out. Um, it's not exciting. My dad, just, it's, my dad they're not just, a tourist attraction, Nico. What, what, just like, not, I guess they are. No, they kind not. of are. Yeah, of course they are. We're, we're driving. Of course they are. My dad. Welcome to Amish Town. Yeah, my, I'm gonna make you a bench. No, but my, my, my dad's just making fun of these guys as we're driving. We're going along, and you see these Amish guys in their little horse and buggy. They're planting some seed, and then you go to uh, Ohio, and then you see the mega cedars planting like miles of field. Right. And these poor Amish guys are doing like a hundred feet. <laughs> it's just really sad. Uh, I, I actually find that nice. It, I, it, what? I find that nice and refreshing. What? Just, you know, a guy with a horse just planting a row of seeds. I don't have a problem with it. As but opposed it, to giant factory farms. No, it's fucking, just, you know. it's ironic when you see the two next to each other. Yes. <laughs> just how the, this Amish guy. Stark he's, contrast. I mean, when the solar flare shuts down the electric grid. I know. Yeah, the Amish. They'll be, they'll be around. Guess who has the leg up? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I've driven through, <laughs> I guess... I've driven through a, a fair amount of states in my time. Uh, I mean, we Nick and I drove through Nebraska and Iowa. And I, I would say Pennsylvania is worse than Iowa, even I though Iowa's longer. Right. I think that's right. You know, you're not dealing with as much traffic. You're not really dealing with trucks. any traffic. And there's that cool truck stop in the middle, though. <laughs> there's the cool truck yeah. stop right in the middle. All right. Uh, did you run into any uh, steak and shakes along the way? No. No, and by the way, Nick, we were a hundred miles north of you, so we weren't really going to bother going out to to visit from Simpson. I, I would have loved to have seen Cincinnati, but like it, because of the timing of everything, then sort of the complications of getting the dog. And my, yeah, my dad was like, "Fuck no, <laughs> we're just getting this dog. We're going home. It's not worth seeing a grocery store in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, it's just like <laughs> a two-hour yeah, detour." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think you know what you missed here, but no, I'm sure. Uh, I, I, it does. It seems <laughs> it was definitely quick. worth the the, the detour. I'll tell you I, that. I tried to sell Jungle Gyms. It didn't, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, great. We're getting the dog and leaving." <laughs> <laughs> they have dog food there. Yeah. Sure <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that was nice. Yeah. Glad you enjoyed yourself. Did you drive past Scranton? Yeah. Did you hear the office theme song playing in the yeah, background? It's always playing on the highway. Yeah. Surprisingly, I did actually. Yeah. It's very they weird. took the sign down. The sign yeah. doesn't exist from the opening of the mm. of the office. Uh, Weirdly, thing. it was the theme song from the English version. It was very weird. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> very strange. Wow. <laughs> Uh, all right we are talking uh crime wave today Mm. crime wave is the movie of the week here we chose this film adam and i nick wasn't really involved in the thought process (laughs) not really no (laughs) because dr strange in the multiverse of madness is currently playing at cinemas near you 
So Sam Raimi has been on our minds. We just did a Sam Raimi podcast on the Movie Hall of Fame. We talked about five of his pre-Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those movies fucking slap. You should listen to that show. We raved about Raimi and all five of those films. But there was this weird little uh, anomaly <laughs> sprinkled in the middle that was kind of driving us nuts. You know, it, It's a movie that... I think most people don't even know exists. Even if you're a Sam Raimi fan or a Coen Brothers appreciator, like I don't think many people are aware that the three of them made a movie together right in the middle of like their primes, you know, like after Evil Dead, after Blood Simple, and before Evil Dead 2 and Raising Arizona, the three of them worked on Crime Wave. Yeah, it's the confluence of of their sensibilities in a lot of interesting ways, but it's in film uh well it, to them anyway it comes across as as though it's like the the Star Wars holiday special of their careers like that's yes. how they look at it right uh, they hate it which is interesting they hate it yeah Bruce okay. Campbell has talked negatively about it the Coens have talked negatively negatively about it uh apparently there was a lot of drama in the post production of this movie their editor was taken away their composer was taken away there was a lot of weird ADR and reshoots done after the fact. Um, Bruce Campbell has a great <laughs> quote in one of his memoirs about this movie. He said, the movie was not released. It escaped. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Bruce Campbell. <laughs> so uh, that, you know, it, it's a it's a, a strange artifact in the storied careers of these four men yeah. um, that you somehow know, no one knows about. <laughs> What's well, interesting that you guys say all that, though, is... You know, from our perspective of watch, we've watched some of the worst movies ever made. Yes. And this movie is not that bad. Not that bad. I mean, oh. like, no, it's not great. I mean, if you look at it with uh, Sam uh, Raimi uh, and stop, stuff. Stop, da, 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 da. Like, <laughs> I know you're going to say, oh, it's great. I love it. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> my, my point is, like, for all of the hate that they are giving it. Cue the it jerk not, off motion. Yeah. <laughs> For all yeah. the hate that they're giving this movie, it does not come anywhere close to deserving it. It's a uh, very, I mean, like, there's, you could point out a lot of stupid little plot holes or goofy nonsense, but it just feels like a goofy, fun, really well-made movie. Go it, ahead, Adam. It's, <laughs> uh, what's not to love about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed it. This thing is It's a good movie but It's really like, good <laughs> But it's also Very stupid I don't and care It's not, not really well, hold on. No, I don't saying, care It's not I don't, really It's a good. jam of a movie guys But who would you Recommend this to That's Nobody Nobody That's, that's my that's, point right? Aside like, from Three Stooges fans I might recommend it to them But The movie is a headache <laughs> it's it's a Which it's a headache inducing movie. It's what? very annoying. Uh no. <laughs> you didn't have a headache during this with all the sound effects and ADR and weird tonal shifts and stuff. Like well, I my head was hurt. Not that I didn't appreciate what, what tonal was going shifts? on. Well, just the way that it combines noir and comedy and horror and noir. Yeah, There's a absolutely lot of film noir, noir in this. You don't think absolutely. so? 100%. There's a hundred a lot. Just the, the way it <laughs> tiny was lit. Mo- the way- There's a few tiny moments with like... Uh, All the stuff in the restaurant. Bruce Campbell's character yeah, in particular very, yeah. is straight out of noir. Yeah, but it's a farce. The whole movie's a giant farce. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. the way that it sort of combines the Coen Brothers comedy, which is kind of like dry and witty and also like this very over-the-top slapstick stuff. Here's, here's the best thing I can say about the movie. 
and, and I wanted to be on your side with this. I really did. <laughs> you see the seeds of truly brilliant stuff that's going to come in later movies. And Do, that doesn't I it kind of feel doesn't I, I kind of was watching the movie almost in the same lens as when we watched like Dark Star. It felt yeah. like a like a high school project of a future film prodigy. I don't care, guys. I don't care about looking at like the seeds that will come. Has you know, it's just not no. No, I'm just watching this as it is. Um, yeah, frankly, I was because I'd heard so much about it, and I was worried it was going to be kind of an unconfident, uh, uh, just sort of like like rough around the edges movie. Like similar, I thought it was he was going to carry over a lot of those like rough around the edges qualities that he had in the first Evil Dead, which is a better movie. But um, it's a, it's pretty shocking to me, like like how well crafted this whole thing is front to back, and how like they they clearly seem to know what they're doing despite all the problems they had making it like it's a well very very i mean they talk openly about like not knowing what they were doing that's that's something they said in particular i know it's fascinating we we had this concept that was kind of ill-conceived to begin with there Mm. there isn't really a perfect version of this script no it didn't matter what they did uh and they talk about just sort of being in over their heads they didn't know what they were doing budgetarily um you know in the edit like Raimi wanted to be involved in the edit and the the studio kind of ripped it away from him but I think Raimi is also very clear in saying there's not a like great version of this movie on the cutting room floor somewhere like (laughs) it's not one of those examples of like if only they let me do what I wanted to do in the edit edit bay nothing like that so it's funny you say that and I've heard other Raimi fans and Coen Brothers fans say a, a similar thing to what you're saying um I, I do think you have to acknowledge, though, that it's very fucking messy. And it maybe it's messy in a good way. Maybe you like that. But no. I think, well, so I'm, here's... I'm the, very much... Uh, did you see a different cut? No. I think we watched the same version. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused. I think, I think, I think one I version know out kind of yeah. the sensibilities here, though, like, because the messy part of the movie, to my perspective, and I think you'll agree, Nico, was more to do with, like, the plot and the tone and the dialogue, but like the actual craft of this film is pretty immaculate. I think it's outstanding. Yeah. Raimi and that's can't what I took himself. away. Definitely. The craft was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the plot and all that shit was weird. And the I actually 100% agree that the tonal shifts were jarring at times. Sometimes it's like a weird, like almost like rom-com. Sometimes it's this weird gritty horror uh, it, it's just all over the place with that, but from start to finish, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's a. It's. it's I mean, guys, it's and a it's past- short. It's quick. It's very short. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I thought mean, it. I thought it worked as a great example of just pasti- pastiche entertainment. Hmm. So I could watch it as kind of horror, but not really. But also noir, but not really. Or a farce, not really. Scooby Doo, Three Stooges, all those mm-hmm. things. And because of the the actual understanding of the absurdity of all the tones. It kind of gels as this very interesting, flavorful piece that I thought felt kind of whole in a weird way. Despite it's messy, but that's only because it's, you know, dealing with so many tones and ideas. And they, I don't know, they, they, it, nothing feels out of place in this movie, strangely. And that's generally the thing that bothers me when it comes to like tonal shifts that don't work or pacing issues that don't work or something like that. Where just feel like, oh, I don't buy that this exists in this type of movie that you've established, you know, for half an hour now. No, everything works. If I'm if I'm being honest, it's it's I mean, I, th- I think the thing that tipped me off to it right away was that it's so clear. Obviously, it's like the 1980s. But like they're behaving like it's the 1950s, and I kind of love that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's it's in this sort of heightened reality yeah, or yeah, alternate yeah. reality, which I think we were talking about that 
just a few weeks ago with Paddington too. Mm-hmm. Yes, where it, right? It, mm-hmm. It's like it, it does take place in modern times when you need the the technology of today, but we're gonna sort of set it in the sixties or seventies, an alternate sixties or seventies, so you're not too distracted by all the modern elements. So you can sort of like whenever you set something twenty, thirty years ago, you can get away with more fantastical stuff. Yep. So yeah, they they do that here. Yeah, in just sort of the way that the characters behave, in the dialogue. dialogue a big thing. Again, I go back to Bruce Campbell's character using the term heel to describe him, <laughs> just the way that he talks to women. Yeah, it is yeah, it is sort of of a of another era. Yeah, I listen, I think it's all there. I do. I I just I have a problem with how it came together. And I I think like it's it's okay. So there are two movies where According to the credits, the Raimis and Coens collaborated mm. with each other directly. Now, obviously, there's some overlap throughout both of their careers, right? Right. Uh, the Coens are helping Raimi with uh, a simple plan. Yeah. Uh, Raimi clearly has some influence on raising Arizona. You know, there's a lot of like exchanging of notes and things. But the two movies they have together are this and Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> Strangely. Yeah. Right. And I do think both of those movies, I like Hudsucker Proxy a lot more than I like this, but both of them were kind of failures. Yeah, I do. I like Hudsucker Proxy more than this. Boo. Yeah? Not even close. Really? Yeah, Hudsucker Proxy is one of the worst Coen Brothers films. Yeah, I think it's underrated. It's not not that bad. I don't think it's like a terrible film, but that's kind of like a boring snoozer of of a thing. That doesn't know I, what, I what, like it try, the, what it's trying to be. Bad example of tone in that one, for in my, if I'm being honest. What does it say about these guys that like these are their worst movies, though? <laughs> right, that's what I mean. Like, or, whatever you want to say, like they. I'm not sure this is his worst movie, though. Sam Raimi's. Well, if you want to take out like Oz and the Great and Powerful and things, no, but this is but, better than Spider-Man Three. As much as I like Spider-Man Three, guys. you thought so? Yeah, I don't know about that. Man, you fucking loved this movie. Yes, I loved I it. I absolutely it. loved it. I was uh, uh, pleasantly surprised, actually. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I wouldn't, I'm, guys. Be honest. I wouldn't change a thing about it. <laughs> that's how. That's how much I love the movie. <laughs> Nothing can be improved on. This is I, this I, is I, peak perfect film. Perfect I, I, filmmaking. I might like it more than Drag Me to Hell. That's crazy. I might. I might. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, Adam coming back from his trip high. <laughs> yeah, it's time. Fucking... No, someone came to play today. Sure. <laughs> Someone's coming off the bye week, recharged, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> we got, we got, we got fucking Brian James from from Blade Runner doing what is he doing? Woody Woodpecker or something? I I don't know what the hell that that accent was or that voice rather. And then we get Raban from uh, David Lynch's Dune. Oh uh, shit, that was the same guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, what's his? What's that guy? Paul, Paul L. L. Smith. Smith. Yeah, he was also uh, I think probably most known at the time for Popeye. Uh, he was uh, the one of the bad guys in Popeye. Like guys, I totally recognized him, but I could not place it. You should have seen the look of bliss on my face when the lady is going through the doors and he's smashing through them. I that's that was the best scene. That was the best scene. And the movies—that's the whole movie. It's yeah. like the whole entire movie, guys. I don't. I don't okay, know. Okay, so that's an example I think of Raimi and the Coens sort of like meshing together. Like yeah. they're just sort of you know square peg and square hole, right? Um, it's it's like the Coen's sort of eye for big set pieces and like very simple ideas of like let's put a woman in front of a uh, twenty door frames that <laughs> yeah. fall like dominoes. Like that's just clearly like that's right out of like one of the big Lebowski uh, yeah. acid trip sequences. 
Um, you know, it, it's it's right out of Hudsucker Proxy. Like mm-hmm. it, like they it, that felt to me the most Coen Brothers in the entire movie. And then you have <laughs> Raimi doing all this inventive stuff with the camera, and it's like, oh yeah, this is what like they should be doing. I felt similarly in Hudsucker Proxy with the hula hoop sequence. Yeah. Apparently, Sam Raimi directed that one sequence, and it's the best sequence in the movie. I think for the most part, though, it's a lot of like. You know, uh, mixing oil and vinegar. Uh, no, <laughs> crossing the streams and Ghostbusters. Whatever metaphor you want to use here for like two things that are so powerful on their own, but if you put them together, it causes a, a, an atomic explosion. But where? Where is it in the movie? I couldn't see it. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like well, the fucking sound like the effects, Coens dude. The, and like, Rainy the cart- feel that way. Mm. They definitely feel that way. Yeah, you know. I, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad somebody here liked it. I I just found, I don't know, the cartooniness of it. There be, was a bit of that that I found off-putting. Yeah. Well, to, okay. Uh, I guess I just think ahead. it was a little more than it should have been. I definitely agree that this is a nearly like Im- impossible movie to market, but you can say that about a lot of wonderful. That's films. not really what I'm responding yeah. to. I'm not responding to that. I, so. Maybe this is what I'm trying to say. Like what the Coens do is write really smart, complex, uh, elaborate screenplays, right? Okay. With really like pathetic characters at the center. And like they're really good at like juggling multiple storylines and like bringing it all together at the end. And, you know, like, you know, uh, like at the end of Fargo, the way that the characters characters sort of clash and say this yeah. one very particular thing. Uh, no Country for Old Men is similar in that way. Like Tommy Lee Jones enters a half hour, 45 minutes into the movie. Right. Uh, and this is this movie. Crime Wave is similarly very elaborate in its mm. plotting. Like we're going to try to describe the plot now. It's not going to make sense to a lot of people listening. Yep. And what Raimi does is take very simple scripts and the elaborateness comes from the camera work. The elaborateness comes from how the movie is made. Yeah. We talked about that on the other show. Quick and the Dead is a stupid script. Yeah. Like it's it's a really fucking dumb, dumb script yep. that is made immaculately because Great movie. Sam Raimi is so visually inventive. Evil Dead similarly is uh, the old cabin in the woods tale of like guys are getting picked off one by one and he's able to just like milk so much stuff out of a very simple bare bones script. And I think here you have a Coen Brothers story about a crime gone wrong and these sort of uh, pathetic losers and evil men that squabble with one another. You have blood simple essentially, mm. but shot with, you know, a Sam Raimi sensibility. And to me, it's just too much excess, you know, <laughs> it's just too much. Ah, I see. Does I that see. sort of make sense? Have I, have I articulated that? Just because it's a slight, I don't even want to say it's that elaborate because the script really isn't that complicated. It's not hard to follow. Not in like a noir, frankly. Yeah. I mean, noir, noirs are deliberately confusing a lot of the time and you know where everybody is in this one. But um, is are you brushing? I'm not sure you do know it. Like the geography isn't that clear to me when no. I'm watching this. I just, no. You know what I mean? You don't think so? <laughs> no, like, dude. Like there was a moment where like uh, the guy comes out of the office building and you think he's across the street and then the flower mm. pot drops and he ends up like right in front of the apartment building. Like to well, me like f- that never made much sense. Okay. There's only three locations in this whole movie. Yeah, it is, but it should be simple to, it should be rear window and it's not. 
Do you do you have an issue with with just the the notion that it's you know a, a Coen Brothers script and Sam it match with Sam Raimi's direction? I don't think it does. No, I want to love it. I'm just trying. I'm speculating of the reasons why I don't, and yeah. that that's the one thing that I'm I'm sort of coming yeah. to. It feels like you I'm don't not- have a place to be grounded. That's, that's right. That's true. Right now, that's right. definitely true. Right. Yes, and I think that's the that's off putting, <laughs> right? No, but I just watched it as like a like a, a slightly more complicated like Looney Tunes movie, and I think it works very well as that. It doesn't feel like I'm ever bro- broken, taken out of like that type of world that they very quickly establish. So, the uh, logic is never established, Nick. I think that's right. It's anarchic in 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 just I don't know its visual sensibilities and it's it it's I don't know some of its approaches to storytelling, which is fine. Uh, but I I don't I don't know, guys. I don't know. I, it it felt like a cartoon. I'm okay with that. It, it definitely felt like a cartoon with real people. And yeah, that, yeah, that's okay. I, I also I, I almost get the impression that the entire movie was like. Okay, we have this idea of this woman walking through a hallway of doors and a big man just busting through each door. And that is what they based the rest of the film off of. They had this one idea (laughs) and they're like, how do we make a beginning and a middle and an end? It's also just fucking funny. Like I I was laughing basically the whole time. Yeah, there's some good laughs. It's really Mm -hmm. funny. You know, there there is bowling balls falling on a dude's head because there's like three bowling balls precariously perched on a shelf which is like what an amazing sequence with the the, the camera following the plates and the very yeah, again the that, very great shit. great yeah. editing of when he hits them out of the way or when he dodges them and then the scene becomes like jaws with him pulling the rug towards her and she's almost be- getting eaten by him basically yeah it's just really really great stuff and yeah then yeah get- that stuff's pretty good yeah. for sure um yeah I, I i think though like at the beginning of the movie so th- should we just try to explain the plot? I guess now's a good time to do it. So that complicated to me. We open with a guy uh, on death row walking to the electric chair, ready to be executed, and he he uh, is uh, uh, insisting to the the prison guards that he is innocent at the eleventh hour. Here, maybe should have saved this for the witness. Yeah, stand, I'm a little confused guy. by the lack of uh, I don't know appearance in court. Yeah. yeah. I of, actually found that to be frustrating, and I I know like you're, you're gonna be like, oh, it's well, a fucking tr- silly it's, fantasy. It's movie, trying to be dramatized to the extreme. I know, but the Coens do that. Like the Coens are not against like heightened reality. Like they're definitely, but I never feel like they're cutting corners with their scripting. Do you know what I mean? Like even in something like Oh Brother Where Art Thou or Hudsucker Proxy. Like yes, definitely this is a world that is not quite our own, but they're not skipping over entire swaths of the story like. Like this movie does where it's like you've given me no plausible reason why this guy would be framed for all these murders. Mm-hmm. Like it's not even paid lip service. There's no, <laughs> there's no reason why it, it would even be in question. And I found that to be, I, I, I don't know, noticeably lazy screenwriting on the Coen brothers part because they don't usually do that. No. You know. No. Um, yeah. So he, but he's explaining that he's innocent and we flash back then to this. One night of chaos, right? (laughs) And essentially, we enter the movie. Long story short, there's like really just two plots happening simultaneously that become one plot, right? So you kind of feel like during it, like okay, this is clearly a comedy, and uh, yeah, you know, but it 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 still feels like it feels grounded enough Mm. until. We get this scene where our main character, what's his name? The the guy who is framed for the murder? Vic. 
Vic. Vic. By the way, Tony Award winning Vic plays the father in The Humans. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. The original play. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Big Broadway actor. Yeah. I, I know him from House of Cards, too. He plays like uh, the Who's vice he? president in House of Cards. He does? Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like big like Broadway actor, this guy. Mm. But you know, he he meets this woman almost hit by a car and uh, he wants to like ask her out. And so he pulls out a book from his pocket that says how to talk to women. And I'm like, OK, like. It's funny enough, but like, like okay, now we're really in Looney Tunes logic where like Bugs Bunny can pull a bomb out of his back pocket even though he's not wearing pants. Is that how long it took? See, that's I, I how long like, it took for me. Wow. I, I feel like okay, as soon as he's in the yeah. electric chair and they're all like smiling at him like, oh, we're going to pull the lever. Like, it's, the, it's goofy right from the start. I don't it, know. It's the nuns immediately. It's the nuns. You get like 10 nuns packed into this car going a million miles an hour with little hula dancers <laughs> on the on the dashboard. I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay. I get it. Okay. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think it took me that long to realize it was. No, crazy. it took me like half a second <laughs> when I see "Crime Wave" on the title. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is like like fifties nonsense. I'm cool with that. I just with the, didn't really were you like just expecting a Coen Brothers film? And yeah, you, I don't know what I was expecting. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't really know. I just kind of. Well, I mean, it is a Coen Brothers film, right? It's like not, they wrote it. I mean, they wrote it, sure, but and I, I imagine they were on a, set for a lot of it. But didn't they write know, Bridge of Spies too? Evil Dead. <laughs> They they hell, hell they yeah. wrote that movie. Hell yeah, wrote Bridge of Spies. <laughs> yes. Excuse me. They did write, but is that a? Cohen? Are you throwing shade at Bridge of I Spies? Love, I love Bridges. I love, Pardon me. I love Bridges and I love Spies. But uh, I love that. Bridges. My two favorite things. <laughs> two favorite things. Bridges. <laughs> dude, nothing better than a spy on a bridge. Be honest, though, dude. Be honest. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> but what if there were multiple spies on that bridge? Oh my god. <laughs> You seen that movie, Nick? No, dude, it's so fucking good. Dude. That that was Spielberg's best film in many years until <laughs> uh, uh, West Side Story came dude, out. Dude, I'm gonna be 80 in a fucking retirement home just watching Bridge of Spies on a loop. I can't <laughs> wait. I'll come to visit you too, and then I'll just see you <laughs> watching that, and then I'll just little tear, and then I'll just walk away. Yeah, there's no breaking him away. Just from screaming Spies. about uh, how Mark Rylance beat Rocky for the Oscar that year, <laughs> best supporting actor. He's just good. shaking my fist. He's good in Bridge of Spies. He's really good, as a matter of fact. He's very good in Bridge of Spies. But he's not better than He's Bridge. not fucking Rocky. No, no. no. Uh, what were we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just felt like, I, I I don't know, I was never grounded in exactly what this world is supposed to be. Like, I, I wasn't quite sure. And I found a lot of the post-production stuff, the ADR in particular, they, they dub over mm. the dude from Dune's voice. The entire time. Uh, and they give him they they dubbed it over with a professional wrestler. As a matter of fact, the professional wrestler name was Dick the Bruiser, <laughs> and they dubbed him in over par, Paul R, R Smith, Paul L Smith, Paul L Smith. There's um, a lot of dubbing in this movie. Yeah, there's actually a, a really a lot of it. And they give him this voice again that I just found very annoying. It's just like a lot of laughter. That's fair though. Way too yep, much laughter. That, yeah. And then I also found the sound effects to be. Okay, I guess it's in the vein of Three Stooges and you're clearly paying homage to something. But I feel like Evil Dead does a lot of similar beats, but they don't hit it as hard as this movie hits it. Better movie, though. 
Yeah, even even the first one is a better movie. Far yeah. and away better. So it's like I, I know you can say, all right, that's part of the point that you know we're going to use the awuga or boing sound effects yeah. to emphasize someone getting hit in the face. But it's like you can clearly do that with stuff that's more subtle and less annoying, and you can get even bigger laughs with it. Evil I don't Dead know. 2. Well, this is my problem. It's like, well, I was laughing pretty, pretty hard throughout. This one's a funnier movie than Evil Dead Two, man. As far as I'm concerned. Well, it's a more straight but comedy. That, that's the other thing. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't matter to me if you again if the if the writings like like identifies that tone, and then the, also the way it's shot identifies that tone, which to me both of those do very very quickly. Mm. So I was never really broken out of that or didn't buy that. I have had this problem in terms of like the way the script matches with the visuals in the past with a movie that you love, which I like too. It's not a bad movie whatsoever, but like with the squid and the whale, I had right. that experience with like, so Wes Anderson fucking script, but it's shot like a Noah Baumbach film. So what the hell's this? Right. You know, sure. And right. And Wes Anderson was involved in the script yeah. of that movie. Too, good, right? good movie though. Don't worry. Very good. Movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, okay. I mean, listen, I'm glad you didn't feel that way. It, listen, I'm watching it. And I definitely felt this is, this is a movie made by geniuses, <laughs> even if they're not working at genius mode in this movie. I, like, no, I agree, but who cares? You know? Who cares? No, I, and I, it means something to me for that reason, just because sure, I'm, sure. I'm such a huge fan of both of these people, mm, me too. or all three of these people, yeah. I should say. Um, but it's, not, it's not. It's not his worst movie. It's not his worst movie, dude. It's not his worst movie. No, no. I haven't seen the Oz movie, so I can't. I can't yeah. speak to that. Yeah, I Oz think I like Spider Man Three better. Yeah. You haven't seen that? It's just I, boring. Yeah. No, I do like I do like this a little bit do more. Like At least this is boring. Oh, uh, yeah. How did you guys feel about That's Doctor a, Strange? We I have talked not about seen this. Doctor Strange two yet, but I'll be. Seeing have you seen I it? might see it today if I have time. Okay. Um, my big question was the Raimi of it all. That's that's all it comes down to for me. Okay. Well, I hear the I script think- is terrible. This movie, I think, is a pretty good parallel to ah. Doctor Strange. Uh. Sam Raimi working under Kevin Feige and the sort of crucible of the Marvel machine uh, had to do reshoots, had to do recuts. They were rewriting the movie on the set, apparently. Like Sam Raimi said that he did not know the end of the movie when they started filming. Uh, It was initially supposed to come out before Spider-Man 3, uh, Far From Home. Uh, It did not. It came out after. So they had to change the ending. They had to change the beginning. Uh, it was supposed to come out before WandaVision at one point. Oh, God. That changed the entire context of WandaVision. Um, so I think you're watching an hour of that movie, and this at least was my experience, and I'm like, this is a mess. Like, this does not make any fucking sense whatsoever. And also, you can't really see a lot of the Raimi stuff there. By the time the second hour hits, it's like, oh, Raimi's finally making the movie that he wanted yeah. to make. But by the time they've gotten there, like, the script is just hacked to bits. Mm. Uh, I don't know though. I I I enjoyed it more than any Marvel movie over the last four or five years, just for the Raimi of it all. Just because like he does get some horror flourishes in there. Well, a lot of people have said like, despite the shortcomings with the script, just the sheer enthusiasm from the direction and just that story. Again, and I've said this many many times. Like, even if you have a bad script, as long as you just like go at it with your storytelling, you can make something kind of fun and unique out of it. And he definitely gets there eventually. But okay. I'm watching the first hour, and like the CGI doesn't look finished. Like <laughs> oh, some of no. the CGI just looks horrible yeah like really really fucking bad i might wait for it to come to disney plus uh 
but then again by the second <laughs> hour it's like oh shit that is that's evil dead right there mm-hmm. like you're right even more so than any of the spider-man movies yeah to be honest with you he goes Fairly. further into the genre stuff here goes further into the doc ock sequence i think so i wow. think so yeah i mean yeah. there isn't there isn't a jump scare in a spider-man movie right really. there are terrifying sequences there are stuff that is sort of creepy but here no like there there is horror iconography that he's playing around with i will say this in particular there is a zombie sequence Mm. in this movie a zombie appears in doctor strange um so i appreciated that at least again i i'm grading on such a curve though because i just think the marvel shit has been atrocious (laughs) since i don't know thor ragnarok i guess that's the last one that i really liked yeah yeah dude i don't know i mean so i can get into all that shit i mean i i watched uh that taika watiti show on oh, the uh, pirate one right the pirate with the gay pirate show yeah. <laughs> the what taika watiti plays blackbeard and he falls in love with the gentleman pirate and they become <laughs> like gay lovers it's like wow. <laughs> interesting it's so fucking weird that's his follow-up to, that's his follow-up to free guy eh his acting, in his acting Thor credits. Ragnarok, free guy. <laughs> Our flag means death on HBO Max. You know, I really like his voice work in Thor. Uh, yeah, me too. He plays that rock monster in Thor. I think like he's yeah. really good in that. Well, Thor and, Ragnarok's a great fucking film. Yeah, it's just now, so good. Now every time I see him, he's just awful. Bothers you? He's so bad in Free Guy. Mm-hmm. He's really fucking bad. I at keep that. forgetting you saw Free Guy. Yeah, <laughs> did you see Free Guy, Nick? No. <laughs> oh my god. He's somehow the worst part of that movie. And that movie is uh, not good. I also watched The Eternals from Marvel by oh, Chloe no. Zhao, right? Yeah. I finally I finally uh, you know, did it. That's uh-huh. and it's just it is just so bad. <laughs> how like how does she make such a bad movie? Coming off an Oscar. Yeah. Seriously. It is just so fucking bad. Coming off of an Oscar and also makes the film that wins best picture. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like, no, the, the movie sweeps the Oscars. Yeah. Wins best actress, best director, and best picture. Like, it, and it was the favorite the whole season, and it won. It's one of the rare movies that, like, from September to March, everyone's like, Nomadland's going to win, and it won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she follows it up with, yeah, I, I think with, commonly accepted which, as the worst Marvel movie, right? I mean, it's got to be, right? Maybe. Is it the worst? God, That's what I've heard. I, I haven't seen Marvel, it. I've heard, is pretty bad. Yeah, that one's not the worst, though. Okay, I haven't seen Thor The Dark World, but that one's also commonly referred to as, like, one of the How about worst. just, like, Thor, the Ant first Man. one? The Ant-Man movie, Ant movies are tossed around. The original Incredible Hulk is tossed around. I don't around. mind that one nah, so and much, no, no, that one's actually good in a vacuum. That one's okay. Yeah. I don't actually hate it that much, either. No. People don't it's, like it's it. Actually, Ed Norton's pretty great. No one likes Iron Man Tim Roth. 2. Oh, my God, oh, it's great. Yeah, Tim Roth. Iron Man like, 2, maybe? Iron Man 2 sucks. Yeah, Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 blows. Yeah. So, Iron Man 3 also fucking sucks. No. Come on. Fucking lighten up. Come over to the dark side, Nick, please. Come on, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking blows. I literally. I hate that movie. Come I really on. Do. Quit being a me, bump on a log here, Nick. For me, the, the perfect Avengers team is Captain America Civil War, Thor Ragnarok. Iron Man 1. I and hate Captain America Civil War. I know you do. I don't hate it. I hate it. I don't hate it. But I love just Captain Bucky just going at it. That is, just give me that all day. 
I think I was kind of, uh, uh, there was a sour taste in my mouth because that movie came out the same year that Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice came out. <laughs> and both of those movies ended in a sequence where our two, two main heroes fight each other over the death of their parents. I think actually, isn't the mother's name Martha in both movies? And no, no, just in the Batman. So. Batman's and Superman's mother was Martha. Are you sure? I mean, do you need me to look up? Uh, look up Tony Stark's mom's name. Or it's not Tony Stark. It'd be Captain America, right? Oh, was or, it? Or no? But, oh, I forget now. The Winter Soldier killed his dad, Iron oh. Man's dad. Yes, and mom. Oh, okay. Tony Stark and but it might be Martha. I think it's Martha. Martha Stark. Oh no! I think I think the mother's name is Martha. Maria. Oh. Ah, yeah. Okay. Close. All right. Close. It was close. Wait. So wait. What's his dad's name again? I feel like Howard. 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 But uh, yeah. played played by uh, friggin' uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mad Men. Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's played by a few people depending on what Roger. era. Yeah, that's true. The first. Yeah, Roger. First, Roger Sterling and the is old Howard Stark. Yeah. The first Captain America gets a lot of shit. I don't think it's that bad. No, I the, like first the first Captain America is all right. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, it's yeah. just like Red Skull kind of sucks. <laughs> it's it's just like a it's like a, an old fifties war yeah, movie. It's pretty good. It's, it's, it's like like good. like the old World War Two movies made by Hollywood. I'm like, yeah. How about the scene where fucking Steve Rogers jumps on the grenade? <laughs> if, is that not that might be the best scene in the history of the MCU? <laughs> that is a great fucking scene. Nico likes America. That's a great oh, fucking America. scene. You realize that? <laughs> Raimi's Spider-Man. This scrawny ass kid just like, oh, get out of the way. S- Sam Raimi's Spider-Man it's, trilogy it's is part of the MCU now, though. Stop. Stop. I hate that. I hate that <laughs> fucking bullshit. No, it is not. It is. What do you no. want? It's in the multiverse, Nick. Yeah. It's different part universe. of the MCU. So I'm sure every movie, I'm sure fucking A Clockwork Orange can find a way into the multiverse <laughs> if we want. <laughs> Schindler's List is part of the multiverse. <laughs> the Godfather is the best MCU film. Bullshit. I hate, this is what I hate about these fucking multiverse movies now. Man, they are just doing the multiverse. Everywhere. Every movie. <laughs> You realize I that have been introduced it, to the concept of the multiverse now six different times. God damn it. Like everything <laughs> everywhere all at once is like the Internet's favorite movie of all yeah, time. We're, we're really Jesus. spinning our tires here, but particularly in the MCU, because Loki introduces it first. Right, Nick? Yeah. Well, no, actually, Endgame introduces it first. Well, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, the, it, well what about Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, my goodness gracious. But, like, so you remember how a few years back, like, zombies were the big thing, and then it was, like, pirates, and then Vikings. Right now, multiverse is the thing. That is weird. It's it's, it's, true, it's really bad. So, Loki, they, Loki introduces this villain at the end where, okay, this is, like, the Thanos of the universe now, but he is not mentioned in the Spider-Man or Doctor Strange movie. And then, you know, Spider-Man introduces it again, mm. and then Doctor Strange introduces it again. Um... Are we just gonna do this with every every Marvel movie now? We're always we've we've been here's the thing we've been building a universe of superheroes for over a decade now, haven't we? Yes. So the next logical extension is to now go into the multiverse of superheroes. All right, I don't want to spoil like Doctor Strange too much, but there's no, but- a sequence where a lot of characters <laughs> die, and it's it, it's a multiverse version. It's another universe's version of these characters. And uh, I, again, I won't spoil who these characters are or how they're killed, but I will just say that like. I felt nothing. 
watching an iconic character die in violent fashion because that's what they can do now. It's just like, okay, like so, this person died in this universe. I'll just get him in the I, other can universe. Can I ask and a question and you can just bleep, bleep it out and post? Sure. sure. It is, uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, that's like, good stuff. <laughs> here's the, the thing hell? that people like, like if you look at the comics, <laughs> You do eventually get to the multiverse. Like, that's a real thing. They're not pulling it out yeah, of their ass. Yeah, but those are like, comics, though. Here, well, like... and also, also, here's the part that uh, people don't realize is that this was lazy writing during the comics. And it's also lazy writing now. Anything can happen. It's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. well, now we have well, all I... of these new superheroes to introduce, but they don't make any sense. And they directly contradict all of the lore of the entire Marvel's. Like, okay, I think just, the comics are way. a little different. Con- yeah. What were you no, saying? the the Eternals directly contradicts Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh, no. It's one of the best. Basically. So? Because I saw the opening scene of Guardians 2 on Twitter the other day where where mm-hmm. uh, Groot is. Running around dancing to Mr. Blue Sky and the, the octopus is fucking killing the heroes and it's like, what happened? It's one of the yeah. best. It was yeah, so good. Like yeah. six years. How has the CGI gotten worse? I don't know. So you remember um like um what's his name? Like uh the main character, Star Star Lord. Whatever. Star Lord. Star Lord's dad is a celestial. Yes. Yeah. And Kurt he's Russell, planted yeah. he and he's planted a seed on Earth to like take over the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? You remember those two facts? Well, guess what the plot of the Eternals is? There are celestials that have planted a seed on the Earth. (laughs) And it was already there when the Earth was made millions of years ago. So what is that? And also, the celestials do not look like Kurt Russell, and they do not operate like (laughs) Kurt Russell. So how does that work? What a shame, by the way. They're completely different. (laughs) It's like, this celestial looks like Galactus from fucking (laughs) X-Men. So... Yeah, like, I think it works in comics... Like, these comics were around for, in some cases, 60, 70 years. But there's a reason most of the comics fucking suck ass. Yeah, I know. They, you know? But in so comic they run books, out of material. It's, it's accepted in comic books. Like, you reboot the characters, you change their origin story, like, just to play around, just to play the song in a different right. way. That's accepted. In movies, you only get a, a movie or two a year with these characters, sometimes one every three or four years. I'm attached to this specific actor. That's the other thing, too. It's mm-hmm. like I've built an attachment to Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark, so therefore his death means something. Yeah. If you take that away, if you take away that basic plot device of like a character can die at any moment and never come back, if you take that off the table, what am I watching this for? If Tony Stark can just be brought back in three years as a as a variant version of of Tony, well, that's the pro. They, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, controversy around when they actually did that with Superman when they brought him back, and there's yes. this, there was a big uproar when Superman was finally killed. Yeah, because, but you're also like, we're not gonna fucking well, that kill was off Superman. But, but but when they did it, it was the first time anything like this had ever happened. So they're like, holy shit! So they they had no like like precedent to think that he would come back. Yeah. Um. But then he did, and then everyone kind of felt the same way you did, where it's just like, oh. What's the point of death now? And in, in right. there are no book. stakes. Just doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I don't know who the villain is. I don't know what we're building towards. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Abandon it. No, we, no get, but I've been told that these stories are supposed to link in some way. Stop. They don't. No, they don't. But they don't. They just they don't. don't. Stop it. Here's here's where we're at. Like, what okay? am I doing? I'm going to every one of these movies. Why am I do- <laughs> Why am I watching <laughs> Shang Chi? Like, what am I doing? Here is where we're at. The plot ended. With Endgame. Yes. It, 
And now they're just milking it. They are, they're milking the cow. They are in their post Pixar. You know where Pixar is right now? Yeah. They're in their Marvel's in their same little realm right now, you know? They know everybody's invested at this point yeah. and they're just going to milk it. Yeah, the 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 post inside out phase. That's where that's where they are. Yeah. But the, I mean, there's so many fucking TV shows too. Yeah. Like do I need to watch Moon Knight? No. You don't no. have to do anything. Like, it, like it, you know what I like you don't. You don't know. Recording has stopped. It's so weird, man. <sighs> anyway, but back to crime wave. Should we get back this to is the, a long tangent? The subject at hand. Uh, okay, <laughs> we're talking Raimi. Yeah, well, he kind of yeah. Crime wave. The best part of crime wave, in my opinion, and this is, I guess, par for the course with most Raimi movies. I know where he's going. Bruce Campbell. Yep. Who fucking understands the assignment in this? Uh, <laughs> they all understand the assignment. A, a guy that obviously was Be like a dick. Yes, a guy that Be a charming asshole. Yep, uh, can do. <laughs> uh, a guy that obviously uh, you know was was involved in the scripting of this movie. I think like was the second unit director for much of it, was doing casting calls, like was very involved. The movie was initially written with him as the lead. Yeah. Uh, the studio didn't buy it. He thought he that he wasn't nubbish enough um, to to be that sort of nerdy hero. So they made him the, the dick at the margins of the movie and they sort of expanded his role a little bit. Uh, he's just, he's fucking wonderful, man. The guy can just, the guy can deliver some jokes, man. He's just a ham. Maybe really I good. am a heel. So what? But he's still the physical <laughs> stuff when he gets hit by the stick. Like that's that looked like. Oh, it. that was great. Ooh, that was intense. I've never seen you before. I like that. I hate that that guy never became a big movie star. God, he's just... Well, it seems like they tried their darndest to make him a lead, and the the studios just kept making him, like, a background character. That's, it was always the studios, though, wasn't it? It was. They just kept saying no to him, because the, the, the directors are like, this guy is... This guy's it. He's the shit. But they're like, yeah, we need a well-known off-Broadway actor at the time. Like... What? But now he's kind of carved out this niche. It's a nice niche, yeah. He's the king of Comic-Con. Yeah. He's, right, he, you know, he, everybody loves him. I mean, he—I I always do say like he has one of the most iconic characters of all time in Ash Williams, and his performance in Ash versus Evil Dead is outstanding. So it, it's not like he's not putting in the work. I just wish, you know. Well, he's also know. kind of very safe though, because he's never done anything that people can hate him over. You know, Ooh, this is a good question. He's—he's—he's hmm. he's, he's just universally beloved. He is not fun in um escape from la i haven't seen that movie <laughs> but is he the lead no he's another supporting that's kid. that's my point whenever he's like, the lead people, he's great yeah yeah but people don't get mad if you're not the lead and he's not the lead often enough to fuck up <laughs> yeah that's true yeah like he's always just like a beloved like sort of background character i had and- forgotten he played ronald reagan in fargo he did yes <laughs> what well, which ep- which season? that was season two. You didn't no, you didn't, didn't watch season, season two? Huh? I did yeah, not, no. yeah. He Ronald Reagan in that show is like uh, on a yeah is like on the road like mm. campaigning, and he yeah runs into I forget what character in yeah in season. God, two he looks Reagan. nothing like Ronald Reagan. No. I thought they would put a little more effort. No, they did not. Ah. I'm, I'm going through the IMDb. It's just like a lot of cartoon voice work, and I guess he was in Sky High. 
very underrated superhero movie from he was in sky high yeah i like sky coach high. boomer in 2005 yeah, yeah, sky, sky high that's a good movie underrated so underrated yeah. Uh, had some cameos in some Coen Brothers movies. <laughs> you know who had a uh, cameo in this movie? I do. Francis McDormand and the Coen Brothers. Correct. Yeah. Francis McDormand plays a nun. Yeah. In right. that in that opening sequence, and the Coen Brothers play the photographers in the execution scene. Yep. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah. Campbell. I think <laughs> here was the other thing. This movie came out in 1985. Studios had not really identified how much power there was to like cult nerd followings. You know what I mean? Like they had not quite understood how big these VHSB movies were going to become to a certain generation of, of film fan. And I, I think they, they eventually caught up. I, I know like Bruce Campbell had a, a, a best-selling memoir called uh if if chins could kill i think is the name of it <laughs> is that one i think that's the name of the memoir oh my god if, and it was like a, a really like a a, a a a well a well selling a book that sold well it was a book that sold well and i think that sort of alerted <laughs> a well-selling book a bestseller it, it was a well-selling book <laughs> ah the well-seller <laughs> The book moved a lot of copies. People read the book a lot. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, I, and I think that's when studios were like, oh shit, there's something here. And then right after that, conventions started becoming a big thing. And, you know, Blockbuster saw like Evil Dead 2 getting rented constantly over and over again. And I, I just, I think like Bruce Campbell was too ahead of the game on that. Like he was. He was really, in many ways, the face of the 80s schlocky horror movie. That's very true, yeah. You yeah. know? So in 1985, it's like, I'm making a noir movie, and I'm going to put this fucking weird-looking guy as as the the star. And, I know. Yeah. Darkman was a similar thing. The studio know, did, not want, did not want uh, Campbell for Darkman. We, by the way, uh, are due to do a few Bruce Campbell-directed films, too. We could do Man with a Screaming Brain, which is a film that I used to love as a kid. Wow. Yeah. I haven't seen any of them. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, there's a whole, like, multiverse out there of Bruce Campbell's Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi, schlocky You just spent movie. 10 minutes going off on a fucking tangent about how much you hate the multiverse. We like these multiverses. The Bruce <laughs> like Campbell multiverse. multiverse. The, you know, they, 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 there you go. And, and, and Doctor Strange, they need a multiverse where everyone is just Bruce Campbell. Yes. That would have been great. Hey, I'm sure hey, Bruce, Campbell, Bruce Campbell cameo. I'm sure Dr. there was. I was going to say, he yeah. is in the MCU. He is now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was in. He was before. And you see, not like some of the best parts of those Spider-Man films, Sam Raimi's. Hey, every- oh, yeah, those are. I will say the the cameo in this one was severely lacking. Yeah, that's too bad. To, to what he did in the past three. No one will be seated after the doors are closed. It helps maintain the illusion. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he has the French accent. <laughs> Becker. I I had no idea he was just doing Clouseau. Yeah. When I rewatched, I was like, "That is what I said." Becker. Yes. Becker. <laughs> oh, that's great. He's the man. Oh, it's so No, delightful. but those cameos are like rooted in actual human drama, which is the good thing. Yeah. You know, like now it's like you sort of you see Tom Cruise in the background of Deadpool 2 or something. And like <laughs> that, you know, that's considered a clever cameo. I just put a famous person in a movie. Uh, I guess that's Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt. Pitt too. That's what I'm referencing. Yeah, yeah. I was I was coming up with a hypothetical, but I kind of stumbled into an actual one. Uh, <laughs> What's the best uh, uh, cameo in a movie? I'm going Matt Damon in Interstellar. 
best camp. That's not a, that's a Deus Ex mat. That's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Damon X Machina. <laughs> Or that's maybe, not a cameo. That's like a plot device. That's a whole thing. Would it be? Um, I, I was looking him up because that's a great question. Uh, and I would go it be in Zombieland. Bill Murray. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. That's a good one. That's I a pretty good one. I love my favorite. Might be John Waters and Hairspray, the re, the musical remake. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, True cameo. My too. answer to this has always been Ben Stein in Ferris Bueller. Yeah, yeah. Is that well? I guess it's a cameo. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, that that's always been my go-to. Yeah, got that line has just become uh, so iconic. And it's rare that Chuck that Norris in Dodgeball. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Fucking Chuck Norris. I like Steven Spielberg in um, um, uh, Blues Brothers. That's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, let's see. Yeah, great, a lot of them in Anchorman. Oh my god. Well, that that almost doesn't count. That's yeah, that doesn't that count. That's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, David Bowie and Zoolander. Okay. A uh, lot of Matt Damon ones here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, he, he in the oh, Pentaveret. He, he was in Thor Ragnarok too. He right? was. Yeah, he that's was right. indeed. No, there's a. I saw a list on Letterboxd one time of like, uh, holy shit, Matt Damon is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like 20 <laughs> movies deep oh my god that's wonderful oh my god uh, it's like uh no sudden move yeah uh, some, he's really good in no sudden he move. is good in that uh interstellar um oh i have the list right here yeah <laughs> <list>. jesus <laughs> chasing amy chasing amy yeah there's a couple of kevin smith movies like yeah. that yeah euro tri- euro trip yeah oh my god he is in euro trip <laughs> He's got a great one in Euro Trip, though. Yeah, keep it coming. What else? Uh, what? No sudden move. Mm-hmm. Zero theorem. Never seen that. I did Majestic. Not... What is? Yeah, some of these I've never even heard of. Zero theorem. Whoa. <laughs> Finding Forrester. Yes, he is in that. Christoph Waltz says that's what Zero Theorem is. It's the Terry Gilliam film. Yeah, Terry yeah. Gilliam. Yeah. yeah. Jersey Girl. I haven't seen Jersey Girl. Yeah. Good movie. Uh, was it like? Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, he's in all those Kevin Smith yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. So is Ben Affleck. Yeah. So, it's so <laughs> weird when like Kevin Smith is making a $200,000 <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob movie mm-hmm. and then Ben Affleck is there. Because they love him. They do. <laughs> they they love, love the he, guy. I mean, he was a, a, a executive producer for uh, Goodwill Hunting. So, yeah. yeah. They, they love him. They wanted him to direct the movie, for Christ's sake. And he was like, no, you need a good director. <laughs> <laughs> poor kevin smith uh that guy gets it though he, he does <sighs> he just knows he's a shit director that's what i love <laughs> no like him. he gets it like it's kind of like I, I always say like in in the hollywood system the people who are most successful are the people who are self-aware and stay in their own lane he might have been able to direct goodwill hunting there's a chance. I don't know. I think There's he- no chance Goodwill Hunting is as good of a movie. I'm sorry. That's yeah. also There's that's no also like shot. Er- no, but it's like earlier Kevin Smith when he still had that like that energy and he wasn't making terrible movies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll give you that probably would have been as good. It would but, not have been. Very but I don't know good. if it would have been bad. I didn't say that, but yeah. that movie's phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure he quite understands the tone of that. The Robin Williams of it all might have had he might have struggled with that. That's for sure. Totally. That's that's the one and that's the movie. So 
Yeah, I, I don't think Robin Williams wins the Oscar if Kevin Smith makes that movie. Is that fair to say? Why is he doing all this improv? Yeah. <laughs> I think that might have been a problem. I'll tell you what, though. Yeah, like, I, I do like some of those early Kevin Smith movies. I like Mallrats. I like uh, Clerks, obviously. And I hear him now. He's just a really, like, charming guy that clearly likes movies and he knows his, like, very small place in the history of yeah. cinema. You know, like, he's not... Of Robert Rodriguez, he's not a Tarantino, he's not a PTA. All of those guys more talented directors than him, but all of them have that thing of like, yeah, we redefined film in the 90s. And Kevin Smith, in many ways, was part of that revolution. He was there, he was making movies under the same label, and he was obviously inspiring a whole generation of like film fans to make movies and to make movies about movies. That's true. You know, inspired like a whole way of of writing, inspired an entire kind of dialogue he's influential as hell you know and he, he just knows like listen i fucking made these stupid movies it. with my friends and some no, people there's not enough that was it there's not enough like common sense self-awareness in hollywood that's yeah. true yeah but he is friends with those guys good friends with those guys yeah. so. i mm-hmm. i just heard him on a podcast as a matter of fact talking about a simple plan mm. uh he loves a simple plan it's a great movie and he just did three hours telling all these stories about the producer of that movie jim jacks and uh, yeah, it's. I, I would recommend listening to it. Uh, an episode of the Blank Check podcast with Kevin Smith. I did a ranking. Where did, Simple Plan is is number eight on my Raimi list. Really? Which, but the, the 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 thing you have to preface is that I I have uh, eleven films on here, and out of the eleven, I love ten of them. So there you go. That's the thing. All right, let's save that to the end of the podcast. I'm interested in hearing what what's on there. Yeah. Um. Couple other notes I had here. Uh, there are some just brilliant flourishes yes that are so ramy and some of them he actually recalls in in uh movies subsequent movies afterwards can i um, say before you finish that like i there was a little bit of me that was like maybe people are afraid to admit that this movie inspired them for certain scenes because like i was getting a, <laughs> you're gonna hate me okay. i was getting a lot of matrix reloaded out of that final chase because <laughs> there is a sequence <laughs> Where they just I guess. they just copy and paste it almost verbatim. Uh, aside from the special effects, I don't know if you could say copy and paste, but I understand. I don't know. There dude. are people fighting on top of moving cars. Yeah. Where there's a scene where it's like he gets up on the roofs and like menacingly looks at the other car, jumps to the other car, yes. and then tries to get punched through the windshield of the well, other car. I, you know, it's it's. I don't know if you're you not can wrong. Claim, it's very I don't know if similar. You can claim that's super original though, any more than like the idea of somebody like burning a house down in a music video. Like it's not really like. <laughs> It's not really that unique an idea no, to be but fighting on cars. But it's the choreography of, of it that was so, like, because I, I was like, ah, okay, okay. Like, it immediately recalled it, but I was like, they're not going to take it much further than that. But then they did, and I was like, oh, it's like following but the same beats. How many Westerns had people fighting on top of a moving train, and then there's a bridge, and they have to duck, and it's like... that. No, that's that's different, though. I'm not talking about the... It's been duck. done a million times. I'm not talking about the ducking of the overpass. I'm talking about this one specific moment where they're jumping from cars, and a, it just resembled Matrix Reloaded so closely to me i don't know what that was great scene yeah yeah it's a really best scene in that movie probably so yeah, maybe the best scene in the whole franchise yeah potentially awesome scene yeah. um yeah uh some raimi stuff the shot of the binoculars on the windowsill and then the the camera zooming in through the binoculars to mm. see what's happening across very, the street very sam that's just like Okay, I get it now. The, these three geniuses were up until three in the morning in their L.A. apartment just kicking around ideas and someone threw this one out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hold, like, 
that's a good day's work. You know what I yeah. mean? Like if we did nothing else today, we came up with that one shot. Yep. And it's like, God, to be just in the room when that kind of magical idea I happens. I wouldn't have said a word. I just would have just watched. Right. Exactly. Just watched. <laughs> like, like that's what you get by just putting three geniuses together. Uh, and also all the stuff with the flower pot, the, mm. the, the way that that shot too of like the... Mm. The hit holding, holding the flowers and the pot is slipping out and and just the way that's cut together of like the pot hits the ground when the door shuts perfect it's perfect perfect shit yes yes it's a very well made film I, I, I and I get that it might not be for everybody obviously I understand that it's not for everybody but yeah it's it's it's, it's well done guys to me it very is. technically yeah. well done no I I was seriously I walked away from this yeah. very impressed yeah yeah. Um, but then again, like you just have like a lot of excess with the, the sound. I think I'm just more bothered by the sound. Okay. Maybe the sound is the most distracting part of it. Like if they remix this movie without the dubs. And- I kind of liked it though. Yeah, I know. Now I do know when we did the Godzilla pod, you, you came down on that a lot despite, yeah. but because we had a whole like side conversation about dubbing and how much it bothers you, which right. is fair though. But again, felt very natural to like the the heightened quality in the comp you know but i don't think that's what they were going for there i think like they didn't like the voice that i i think maybe whatever voice they used on set was not like gangster enough that's fine for the character and the studio was like we have to make him more scary i'm not sure it doesn't work though like it doesn't matter to me if it's what not what they're going for i don't know i don't know what i don't know what Raimi was going for on the set i have no idea what the guy actually sounded like but yeah um i mean i imagine the He's playing a a more the the voice is more cartoonish than the final voice that we get because the other hitman is very cartoonish yeah. like very high pitched and weird. Yeah, if I'm to say anything that I didn't like about because I actually like Rit, I'm just gonna call him Raban. I like Raban's uh, um, voice actually for some uh-huh. reason it just it was it was funny enough and it it also fit the character well to me. Yeah, the other guy. Yeah, that that's an example of where the the excess well, <laughs> was a little annoying. But it felt like it felt like Wario and Waluigi were yeah. fucking. Yeah, it was hundred percent. However, <laughs> how, but this I thought of Bowser actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. No, no, but when they when he goes into the apartment and he's mimicking the voices, I love that shit. That that's, was, that's good. That stuff. was cracking me up. No, I love when she's like, "You're a very special person," <laughs> and he comes around the corner. He's smitten. <laughs> Like, it's so good. It's very cartoony. It's very yeah. Looney Tunes in that sense, too. Yeah. Yes, I is. love when he tries to talk like her and it, he uses his real voice and he's like, <clears throat> and then they just cut to a dub of her voice. Yeah. Like, like, oh, let me clear my throat and get this. That's all I needed to do. Just clear, quit clearing out the throat. And I got it perfect. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Um, there was that. There was obviously the throwing of the plates, which I love. The, the carpet. The, the Again, the, the hitman rips the carpet out of the ground and pulls the entire room towards him he's like creating an earthquake in the oh that was incredible yeah so the entire room all of it's like imagine a fully furnished room huge full-length room carpet uh or i should say like throw rug but it's corner to corner and you got like a table full dining set chairs sofas and this guy's just on one edge pulling the carpet and the entire room is just tumbling towards him like a vacuum he's just pulling everything towards him mm-hmm. it is so incredible reminded me a lot of like yeah. john goodman and barton fink that yeah, felt like a very coen yeah. brothers uh, you know like the way that these bulky men just shake the earth around them just yeah. by being in the like, room they're you like know? agents of hell you know well, yeah 
Yeah, I, I mean, these villains are very, like, superhuman yes. in yes. this movie. Right. Uh, I mean, they survive explosions and uh, just, I mean, all, all sorts of, it, it's, they're very menacing, too. Like, yeah, it's actually are, really they're effective. Yeah, they're like monsters. Like, he, he, the Godzilla comp, I think, is a good one here. Like, he, he, he behaves like a dinosaur, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He does very well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, a lot of those like side characters felt very Coen's to me. That was the stuff that I, I most identified I agree. as like like the guy in the um, in the execution room with the with the the lever just yep. mm-hmm. smiling, ready to execute this guy. He's well, so, it's like it's like he's like, I still have five minutes left for the execution. And he just like takes the clock hand and just right. moves it three minutes forward. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of raising Arizona to some of these characters, right. too, for sure. That's that is a very for, that's a very Coen Brothers character. <laughs> that guy, the governor. Yes. Love, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, like, like two minutes before the execution and they were about to pull the lever. And they're like, wait, the governor's here. The governor comes in and he's like. He, he's like, I didn't miss it, did I? Like, <laughs> like, I'm not too, or I'm not too late, am I? Like, yeah. no. And you think he's gonna save the day? And he's like, right. good. I didn't want to miss this. And he just sits down right in front of the execution chair. That was like, good stuff. That was good stuff. It's it's very good. And yeah, the, I I do feel like in future movies the Coens figure out you need at least one likable character though. <laughs> you know, like the, you need at least one. As much yeah. as they're, most of their movies are about goofballs and doofuses and evil people, like, you know, you still have a Francis McDormand at the center of Fargo. You still yeah. have a Tommy Lee Jones in No Country, yeah. you, you know. Is that the failing of, like, the Lady Killers, you think? Oh, yeah. Are, Lady Killers is, yes. I don't hate, okay, better example, because I don't hate the Lady Killers as much as everybody else, but Intolerable Cruelty, that is the problem. Totally. All the way through, yeah. Totally. I always struggle if there's not a likable character. Yeah, I've always See, struggled with any movie or well, I can't think of a single one that has no likable characters that I enjoyed. Oh, God, that's a good question. I don't necessarily need that, but I feel like the Coens need it just because like their villains are very evil. Yes, that's one of the underrated things about them is that or I guess one of the, the, the lesser discussed things about them is that their bad guys are bad and their good guys are good mm-hmm. and they're pretty like simple morally speaking the Coen brothers in how they characterize their characters. There's not a lot of gray area. There's not a lot of like contemplating the humanity or the evil within man. It's just like, this guy's fucking bad and this guy's good. And I can say a lot about life even without, you know, the subtlety in those characterizations. That's true. They can go. It's very rare though. What's the only time I think they, I guess they sort of do it with the man who wasn't there to a degree. Uh, like, like, like Bill about Thornton's character is so, like deliberately, you know, kind of affectless in a lot of ways. Well, that's a that's an affectless movie. Exactly. Like yeah. that's yeah. But that's my point. It's this whole semblance of gray in a right. lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I, I or in something like Inside Lewin Davis, mm. like that's a movie about how evil the world is. But you at least need a guy at the center that is sympathetic. Sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or a serious man also yeah. in that way, yeah, like. Yeah. It just full of bad people um, But I at least need to feel bad for the guy At the center <laughs> being tortured for no reason You know yeah, yeah. Uh, So I think that maybe that's what I, I felt here It's like like uh, Blood Simple Which is their first movie this feels very much In the same uh, vein as Blood Simple mm-hmm. Has Francis McDormand In the center obviously it's about crooks And thieves and murderers trying to get up one mm-hmm. up On each other but there is At least a victim that I feel bad for at the center Yeah but again, when you, when you say victim, it implies like a you know a semblance of seriousness or importance to a movie that's that is there in something like Blood Simple or you know, many of the Coen Brothers films. But this is not 
a film where, you know, you're supposed to really feel heartbroken over the victims. It's just part of the gag. And that's, I don't know. This film felt more in line with like, like what's up doc than, you know, many, you know, any film by the Coen brothers. And that's the, it's like, I don't know. I was very queued up for the tone uh, right out of the gate. So I was never really bothered by the fact that there aren't any, like, I don't know, traditional likable characters. It's just, you know, they, they, they were set I mean, up nice. Yeah, I, I find that to be... Vic, Vic is pretty likable, though. That's not kind of where he's I also a, disagree with he's, you. He's annoying. He's but, annoying. But, 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 but like, he has, so, yeah. he has, like, good morals, and, like, he does stand up for himself and for Nancy. Yes. He fights these guys. I mean, and at the end, when one of them begs for mercy, he even gives the guy mercy. I mean... <laughs> He's a he is likable. He's annoying. Yes, but I, he's likable. I agree with that entirely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess maybe I just didn't like the character. Then it comes down to <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. all. Yeah. That's okay. Struck a little too close to home, huh? <laughs> you would you would have given him the bat. Yeah, that's right. Fuck off. Um. What else here? Oh, some of my my bigger laughs. I did what just state for the record. Uh, when uh. When Nancy does not have enough money to pay the bill, they need $36 in order to cover the tab that they've run up. Oh, did you look up how much that is in today's money? I did. I did as well. I did. Oh, we're just, we're demented. You how and I, it's like a hundred dollars. Yeah. But wait, 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 that's the first thing I thought. In, like in, I need to convert this for inflation. In 1985. Yeah. Okay. 1985 to today inflation, that $36 bill that, uh, that Bruce Campbell left behind for her to pick up was about a hundred dollars worth. Ooh. So, and, and this is the time before credit cards or, or debit cards. So this is you have to be carrying a hundred dollars cash with you to cover this bill. Ooh, what a <laughs> sorry bastard! To, sorry to tangent again, but I love when Bruce Campbell goes, "Oh, the cab? Oh, you'll pay for that." <laughs> <laughs> Everything he says is correct, dude. He's such a dirt. Oh, I love Bruce Campbell. So good. It's never not working. And then the scene, but I, I love the cap to that scene. Yeah. Well, so what happens? So yeah. they they go, "Oh, I I need. Th- how am I going to get thirty six dollars?" And then you hear the head of the band go. Dance contest. <laughs> First prize gets thirty six dollars. Another That's joke so where you good. see it coming, and I'm just like, oh, where it's God, like perfect, perfect joke. We start the dance contest. Smash cut to the two of them washing dishes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> They've lost the dance contest. It's like just boom, boom, boom. Perfect. Just like one, two, three joke and, and that's really a great good. blending of cohen's and sam raimi in that entire moment i, I felt yeah. anyway no that was the moment of like oh yeah that's cohen cleverness yes i i, I wanted more of that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh so yeah th- that big laugh there for me when the guy uh with the shaving cream on his face falls out the window immediately gets up and he's like yes it is a cliche but it, it just works so well here well, it's when he's like i survived <laughs> and then he gets hit by a car right yeah well how about they they have that guy's body later <laughs> And the guy's carrying his body in the elevator, and then the both bad guys are hiding in different apartments. The cops are coming. It's this big thing, and then I wrote the, the line eleva- down. I wrote the line. Yeah, the elevator door opens, and the kids <laughs> dragging the black guy's body out of the elevator. Yeah, uh, the the line is, "What kind of paranoid schizo could kill a man in cold blood and jelly up his face with shaving cream?" <laughs> and the kid goes, "My dad." <laughs> And then his dad just peeks out from the, the apartment and goes, son, what's the problem here? And immediately he's dragged away in handcuffs. That was good stuff. <laughs> also, the, the, 
the bad guy's trying to get on the elevator as the cops are coming, and the elevator's taking forever, and then it finally opens, and this kid is like, I'm the ruler of this elevator, and we're stopping at every floor. <laughs> and he just, they just slow-mo cut to him throwing the kid out of the elevator, slow-mo, he's flying. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Uh, that kid is hilarious. Yeah. Good sport. Such a good gag. I loved it. Um, what else did I have? Oh, the the uh, <laughs> the the woman screaming. We zoom into her mouth, and that becomes the horn of the trumpet. That's uh, that shows up again in what Coen Brothers movie was it? Barton Fink? I think yeah. I think that shows up in Barton mm, Fink again. Yeah, I remembered that shot. Might actually yeah. from something. There's a lot of like again little Coen flourishes here though too. Like at the beginning when. Uh, the uh, I forget the name of the the owner of that security business. He's like he's slamming the cigarette into the the cigarette holder. That reminded me of a, a serious man. Reminded me of of Blood Simple with the ceiling fan. That's oh, what that reminded me of. Just the way like the sound design sort of matches with these very specific motions. Mm. Like for some like why are we zooming in on the cigarette holder? Like why are we zooming in on this this ceiling fan? It's just like the Coens can just sort of like make the very mundane larger than life. And that was one example of that that I loved. It remi- for me in a series it's it's the scene where he's uh the kid's having his bar mitzvah and they he's high but then he has the pen and you hear that very loud right thud on on, on the Torah and then they slowly drag it down yeah, 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 with yeah, the yeah, scraping. Yeah. It's just very distinct. Yeah. yeah. I I thought the same thing. Yeah. They're yeah. just great sound designers, those guys. Uh, not in this movie generally, but <laughs> they, I don't think they were involved. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, I mean, just a lot of like throwing cameras out of windows and, you know, just yeah. <laughs> zooming in from across the street. Just like a lot of, I don't know what kind of rigs they built for this, but they must have been pretty nuts, <laughs> as was the case with most Raimi movies. Uh, I, I reminded mean, they, me a uh, lot in the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say how much it seems like Raimi loves uh, having uh, cars dangling off bridges. He does. Loves that. He does. There's a little bit of uh, um, Spider-Man in this one where he's saying, I need you to jump. I can't. Yes, you can. Yeah, right. It's the same fucking scene. Same scene, yeah. (laughs) Same scene. The way also, like, he just... He just tumbles the camera around the moving car. I know. That's what I love about it. It's like, it kind of puts you into... This is what I love about Raimi. It, It... he uses a lot of point of view shots for characters that aren't there. Yeah. Like the camera becomes its own like sentient being yeah, I love that, that you're following. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it like, it, it gives a sort of sense of life to the movie and it's like, Oh, like, like how could I possibly be looking at the car from underneath the bumper here? There's no character there that matches up, but for some reason it puts you into the movie in a very like alive and real way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's just a genius when it comes to that stuff. But reminded me a lot of After Hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I see and what like, you mean, there's yeah. literally a shot in Martin Scorsese After Hours. I think it came out the same year, right? Is that right? I think After Hours was '85 as well. Wow. Uh, where yeah, they just threw a camera when when uh, the woman throws the keys down to Griffin Dunn. Oh, I see. And and Marty just drops a camera out of the window, and you just <laughs> you're just watching the camera just fall to the pavement. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, After Hours was kind of like the better version of this movie for me. They're so different. Takes place all they're in one so, night. Comedic so band. What do I you know? <laughs> but like, what? There's a comedic band. There's the, like this. Will this night ever end? Ever end? You know, like a sort of nightmare fuel. I don't know. 
One is like an early Safety Brothers film. This is a Looney Tunes sketch. Dude. Yeah, I, I know. I don't. No, but know. it's still the goofiest Marty you know what's ever. Crazy. Gets. They came out the yeah. same year. Yeah, eighty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, have you seen After Hours? No. Oh, it's so good. Yes, it's very good. Very good. It's one of my favorite Scorsese movies, and no one talks about it. It's a great movie. It's a genuinely great movie. Uh, wow. Some fun facts for you. Okay. This was my favorite line on the Wikipedia page. According to Campbell, lead actress Louise Lasser, she plays the wife of the of the guy murdered, under the influence of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. A little caveat. Fired her makeup artist. She insisted that she apply all her own makeup, despite objections from the cast. She would often show up on set with poorly applied, quote, clown makeup and messed up hair, oblivious to how she appeared. There were occasions when she outright refused to leave her trailer to the annoyance of the cast and crew. That's what's going on in this on the set of this movie. Why did they keep working who, with her? Who, she, she was not that vital. Who like hired was, her? She was the she was top billed in this movie. She was the biggest star at the time. That's ridiculous. Uh, so she was, um, uh, she was on a soap opera at the time called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Okay. I guess before that it was in the seventies. Uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman was produced by Norman Lear, the great television producer who, you know, from all in the family and the Jeffersons, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. Uh, Norman Lear produced crime wave. Okay. Under his, uh, which is a very bizarre <laughs> pairing, I would say, but uh, produced it under uh, Embassy Pictures, his his production company. Mm. So he had a relationship with Louise Lasser from that soap opera, uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, which was... Do so you think he kind of pushed for her? I think so. So, Or at least, again, she was the biggest star in the movie at the time. So um, he was able to... Sort of, she was considered a big get. And that show... Only ran for I think two seasons, but it was a parody of soap operas that ran as a soap opera. Okay. So like it aired five days a week and was on you know daytime television under a soap opera schedule, but it was making fun of soap operas at the same time, and it was like a big failure, but seen as this really ambitious big swing. Uh, the Louis Lasser also was like a host of SNL and was the first host ever banned from Saturday Night Live because she showed up like high on cocaine and she was very difficult. Oh, sounds like a <laughs> pattern yeah. of behavior. <laughs> so she really went through it, but apparently yeah, she was very difficult on the set of, of this movie. Uh, same goes for actor Brian James, who played the skinny hitman. Production was often affected by weird events, including actor Brian James trashing his hotel room in an effort to exercise a ghost from his light fixtures. Mm. Ah. Wow. <laughs> Damn. So that's what's going on, on on the set of this movie. As Sam okay. Raimi is ripping his hair out. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, what else did I have here? <laughs> Brian James. I love it when that guy pops up, by the way. He, good, good actor in, uh, is in Blade Runner. Oh, doesn't last very long. <laughs> Who is he is in Blade Runner? He's Leon. Uh, he's the the uh, replicant at the very beginning who's getting interviewed and then he shoots the guy in the office. Oh, yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, the tortoise is lying on its back. Yeah, that whole shit. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Bruce Campbell tells the story. I get. Do people understand the relationship between Raimi and the Coens? Have we actually like 
laid that out. We talked about it on the other show. Yeah, I feel I'm, like people are. We didn't explain that at all. We I, probably need to explain this. We did address it like like offhand that they live together, but that's what it is. They. Yeah, yeah so I'll just tell Nick the story because I'm sure he doesn't know this. Yeah. So I knew they were close. I mean, <laughs> very close. Ramy is living in Detroit. And he gets Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead, financed on a micro budget. Uh, ends up going to an editing company in uh, Detroit for the post-production work. Uh, the assistant editor at the time working for this production company is Joel Cohen. Wow. Okay. Uh, they become friends because Joel Cohen's like, I like, I like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> this is a pretty good movie he made here. I need to get in on the ground floor of this so they bond over it um jill cohen is listed as i think assistant editor on the original evil dead movie uh eventually they develop a close enough friendship where they start writing scripts together so they uh, are working on obviously crime wave and hudsucker proxy at the same time uh they bring ethan in um because apparently like it had been sort of known on the streets of the of the film world that these guys are pretty good screenwriters, but they haven't gotten their big break yet. And uh, according to Bruce Campbell, like they were not sure about the Coen brothers talents at the time. Uh, Ramey, uh, uh, this is the excerpt from Bruce Campbell's book. Ramey was not initially optimistic about the talents of the Coen brothers. He recounted that Ethan was, quote, just a statistic accountant at Macy's at the time, which is true. Ethan was working as an accountant at Macy's. <laughs> After reading the Blood Simple script, however, Campbell commented that the screenplay was, quote, great, comparing it to the work of Alfred Hitchcock. It featured mild-mannered leading men who got caught up in a web of fear, murder, and mayhem, elements that often define the films directed by Hitchcock. So that was the first script they wrote where it's, uh, where it's like, oh, this, these guys might be onto something. They eventually move in together in this apartment in L.A., living together at the time, Jill Cohen... Ethan Cohen, Sam Raimi, Francis McDormand, Holly Hunter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yep. A, They're living together. In that's Los crazy. Angeles. That's, a, that's a house party I would have loved to have gone to. <laughs> right. Uh, it was probably a very boring apartment. Yeah. yeah in all reality. Very well kept. Probably, yeah. yeah. I mean. <laughs> so one thing leads to another. Uh, obviously, Evil Dead is a massive hit. Blood Simple wins the Palme d'Or at Cannes. There are these hot young filmmakers now, and uh, again, they, they've each had a hand in each other's careers in some way, shape, or form, but it is kind of funny. The two movies that they did work on together were their two biggest bombs. Yeah, it is interesting, yeah. You know? Yeah. Hudsucker, the name, is referenced in this movie, too. Hudsucker Penitentiary yep. is the name of the prison at the beginning of this movie. Mm -hmm. They were in, uh, I guess this doesn't count. But the, whenever they cameo in each other's movies, it's usually okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Was How was Miller's Crossing as a... I mean, that's a critically uh, loved movie, but uh, I don't know how it did financially. Uh, yeah, I don't... I don't know if any of their movies were <laughs> huge box office sensations. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that's a great cameo by Sam Raimi in that movie. One yeah. of the better ones, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, it is. That's a fucking awesome movie. I love that movie. Yeah, me too. So anyway... Uh, I guess yeah, they might just have different sensibilities and kind of like writing stuff together. Like even you can be talented individually, but when you put your brains together, you can make garbage. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's very so, true. Yeah. You know, and I don't think these movies are garbage by any means, uh, or this movie in particular. I haven't seen 
uh, Hudsucker, whatever nonsense. I, I don't but think you would like it very much, Nick. I think you would. No, I don't think wow. so. No, I, <laughs> no, I you don't, don't think so. No, I think you would find it extremely boring. I think. How that, long is it? Oh, it's kind of long. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah, it's not short. Yeah, it is kind of long. I have a ninety-minute limit. <laughs> the the poll would be Tim Robbins's performance, which is quite uh, quite lovely. But um, yeah. I, oh, hour fifty-one. It's not that bad, actually. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Paul Newman's in it. That's true. Nick, an old Paul Newman. A very good Paul oh. Newman. Yeah. Jennifer Jason <laughs> Lee. I mean, you could watch it and get back to us. Let us know what you think. But yeah, I I think it's criminally underrated. That that's my opinion. I I think like it is thought of as the worst Cohen's movie. It's that's not. It's not the, thought of as the worst Cohen's movie. No. Yeah. No, it's no. Lady Killers is Lady much Killers. worse. Intolerable yes, cruelty is. is much worse. Yeah. And, to, and now and see, this is something we agree on. Is like when I saw Intolerable Cruelty, I was like, where did these guys go? Like, right. what the hell is this? Yeah. 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 It is weird though, because like I have a very mixed relationship with the Cohen Brothers movies that I've seen. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's. Personally, I do. So, like, some of them I really like, some of them I really don't like. Did you not like Big Lebowski? It's not really my fa- like. It's not really my jam. Okay, right. That's a, you know, that's telling. Yeah. Uh, but like Fargo. Yeah, Fargo. Love great. Fargo. Right. Have you uh, seen No Country? No Country for Old Men. Love that movie. Right. I watched Burn After Reading, and I was kind of like, "This is really a movie that people dedicated time to. Like, this is something that people wanted to make." Dildo chair. It's not uh, bad, but it's also just like, why did anybody make this? Dildo chair. You could. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it too, uh, but I'm a fucking I, sucker. Yeah, I, I, I True Grit. I, I like True Grit actually. True Grit's all it's right. A I think I might like long. Hudsucker better than True Grit. Oh, that's ridiculous. Is that a controversial that opinion? That is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Get the hell out of here. I think I like Hudsucker more. Oh, you're out of your mind. I don't why know. Are they, you why are they credited for Bad Santa? What's going on here? They were producer. Executive? They, they, yeah, they produced producer. it, I think. Yeah. 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 Why'd they do that? <laughs> yeah, you know, they they like their Billy Bob, I guess. I don't know. I love Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. but um, what's a um, what do you like a serious? I think serious man's you can, everyone's got. Yeah, see I will that. say my brother is yeah. is going through the Coen Brothers movies. Uh, he had not seen any of them, and I think has watched three of them now, and he hated all three. Wow! And <laughs> which ones did he see? Uh, Big Lebowski. Uh, No Country. How do you not like No Country, what though? What the fuck? I know. He hated both. Oh, and there was a third one. Oh, no. I forget what the third one was that he watched. And but, everybody likes Fargo. Yeah, he. I think he found both of those movies to be uh, aspiring to something larger that was kind of... Uh, well, okay. So, okay. He put, he put it as like, Big Lebowski clearly has something to say. But it's under the guise of a really silly comedy. And he, he sort of like you can feel the pretension behind some of like the crude jokes. And it's like it should he wanted it just to be a silly dick joke comedy. And I think he was kind of annoyed like, oh, these guys think they're so fucking smart. You know, putting on all of like this Vietnam commentary in a stupid bowling movie. But they are smart. That's the that's the I mean that's my thing. It's like I really I respond to that, but maybe I'm just a pretentious piece of shit. I don't know. (laughs) But no country? Yeah, no country. Similarly, I think he's like there. There's not as much subtext here as they think there is. Okay. I don't know. I disagree. I completely disagree. But yeah, I I, I think clearly it's takes a while to kind of get their voice. Oh, that's weird because they're they're one of those they're a pair of those filmmakers that I've always felt like 
you know, they're dealing with stuff that a lesser filmmaker would 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 do, and it would would come off as pretentious. But they just don't, you know. There's nothing. Right, that's what I said. Yeah. I never thought of them as pretentious. No, not at all. When you when you see their movies, they seem, you know. I, I, I don't know. There's a down to earth quality to them right. in, in, in their movies and in real life, particularly if you watch their their interviews. Well, that's something that we know. I know that. I but, don't know if that's something the average film goer would but, know. But even prior to see, to seeing any of their interviews, I've always felt that. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll say this. They're my favorite filmmakers. Mm. I love basically all of their movies with the exception of like two. Yep. Um, but it took me about three times to really get what Fargo was all about. Took me two times to get what Big Lebowski was all about. I didn't get it right away. I mean, Big Lebowski, I just, I was too busy following the plot. I didn't know why it was so ridiculously elaborate. And only on the third viewing was I able to sort of zone out the plot and understand what was happening and then really get what they were going for. Mm -hmm. Um, Dang. I think every Coen Brothers movie you have to see twice before you love it. I don't think there was a single Coen Brothers movie I saw that I adored all-time favorite on the first viewing. There's a couple for me. Fargo was one of those movies for me. Big Lebowski is one where I had to watch uh, twice to, to to pick up a lot of the subtext going on there. Inside Lewin Davis took me a while. That That's an all-timer for me. I saw it immediately. I'm like, mm, it's a good That's movie. crazy. You Fucking, liked it that much. Yeah, I loved it. That That's like a top three Coen Brothers film for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorites too. But yeah. yeah. Now that was a movie I'm like, okay, this is a weird anti-climax. Well, that's the, you have to be okay with anti-climax. That's what they're all about, yeah. They love you know, their, you their have weird to you have to mm. just accept that going in like this is going to seem like a wet blanket of an ending. Yeah. Um so you have to turn on that switch. Mm-hmm. Um so that's interesting. Yeah. I guess I kind of had that experience with a serious man where it's like I I, I always liked it but I was like because I, I just found it so hilarious but it took me a while to really get to the 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 bottom of it particularly that ending too you right know? you know and that's what does it for a lot of people I think you're right you know right yeah. you know it leaves you with a sour taste if you don't know exactly what well there is a bit of is. like journey over destination yeah yeah it's about the ride more than See, it is about the where it goes yes but I like the destinations though yeah I usually do too. I, I like anti-climaxes yeah. like I love that shit like I love at the end of Serious Man we just end with a tornado descending on a on an yeah. elementary school yeah. like I, now, I find that to be <laughs> thrilling but now I think it's one of their best films it, did, it took me like like two or three viewings I think to realize wow this movie's a fucking masterpiece yeah <laughs> it's totally. so good uh yeah, it's it's weird when people say that they don't like Coen Brothers endings because that's the thing I hear quite a bit. Yeah, I know. And I, I'm like, fuck, they're the they're the best at it. They're the best at the biz in ending a movie. No, I agree. <laughs> I know? agree. That's the interesting thing. But you have to be on their wavelength for sure. Right. For sure. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's Crime Wave. We good? Yep. I loved I'm good. it. Uh, I we loved do gotta- it. <laughs> we what? do have to talk about some news that I know we all have heard, but we haven't talked about on the pod. Which is there's news, yeah. There's news. Christopher Walken. Ah, <laughs> yeah. There's news coming to Dune. Christopher. And Nico, I gotta ask you, how conflicted do you feel? You must feel a little conflicted. How conflicted do you feel? Who's he playing? wanting to hate this movie? He's he, playing the emperor, yeah. of the entire fucking universe. Yeah. <laughs> the Padishah Emperor Shaddam the Fourth. Yeah. Wow. He is. Pretty- how, how do you feel knowing that Christopher Walken is playing the fucking emperor? It's his first big movie since Nine Lives. Quick. <laughs> since Nine, Nine, Nine lives? lives, I think. God damn it. <laughs> well, come back, baby. Another Wittati favorite, Nine Lives. Dude, I am so fucking excited for Dune 2. Like, <laughs> how did shit. that make you feel knowing that 
you don't want Dune to suck, but <laughs> Christopher Walken is Denis, the goddamn emperor. Denis Villeneuve knows you want it to suck, Nico. He's not letting it happen. <laughs> I'm convinced that Denis listens to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, this cast is amazing. Yeah, it's it's wild. Walken is quietly making a little bit of a comeback. I don't know what's going. He was just in Severance. He was very good in Severance. Uh, now he's do- yeah doing Dune, huh? <laughs> People want that. That how, how much screen time is the Emperor gonna get? Like how big of a role does he actually play? Fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. Mm, he's a big part of the third a- act of of Dune, like an enormous part. Um, he has like a couple scenes prior, but not that much. Yeah, it's he's. I, a- I don't- yeah, f- 15, I mean, it depends. F- 15 to 20 minutes. But again, it depends on what Denis wants to do with the story because he could extend. Yeah, he can make it bigger. Him. Yeah, absolutely. And he can also make it less if he really wanted to. Sure. So sure. Um, yeah, I mean, but like, I think I'm in. in. Same, I think I'm I mean, in. He, he's in the same. He's going to be like the same movie as like Jason Momoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude. Like, just him and Chalamet hanging out, but like yeah, the, what the casting choices for, for <laughs> fucking Walken? Can you imagine That's the conversations crazy. offset with between Walken and Zendaya? Can you imagine oh, what they're talking about? That's who's the great. who's playing the princess? Who Irulan? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Florence Pugh. Right, and, right, and Florence Fate, Pugh and Fade Rotha is Austin Butler, Elvis. Wow, Elvis, baby! By the way, I want to check out Elvis when that shit comes out. I'm so pumped. I think Sorry. it might be good, dude. If we, <laughs> like, a, I think it's I was acting really under awesome. the assumption that it was gonna suck, but a, I saw that trailer and I'm kind of in. It's a, so it looks great. A Boz Lerman comeback with a fat Tom Hanks, like I know, dude. Dude, fucking Hanks as Colonel Parker is one of the more inspired casting choices in a long time. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pumped. I'm fucking pumped for that movie. That guy looks like Elvis. He, he got does. the accent down. It's he incredible. He does. I know. Yeah, I don't know about Boz. That's the only thing. Yeah, you never know. I, I'm him. a big yeah. Boz skeptic. Yeah. But. People like him, though. They do like him. People love Moulin Rouge. You know? Mm. Mm. People love that movie. People like that. Uh, do people like The Great Gatsby? I don't, I don't. It wasn't like critically adored, but I feel like audiences really like it. Yeah. It was pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was pretty well liked. Although it also came out the same year we were forced to read it in school. So like mm. I remember our grade in particular, like everybody was flocking to the fucking theater. <laughs> yeah. I I think there was a there was a whole a generation of girls that like really aspired to be Daisy from from fucking from Great Gatsby. Yeah. Like it did become like a a sort of look and aesthetic, if I recall correctly, that people kinda were into. Yeah. Uh I remember like people had like Great Gatsby themed parties. Like it was a big, true, yeah. at least in my high school. I don't know. I see that people yeah. like big people like the Gatsby. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, cool. A lot of good movies coming out. A lot of good guys. Movies. Top Gun's getting like great reviews. Yeah. Seen the reviews for Top Gun? Oh my god. Yeah. God, I need to get to the theater every fucking day. I'm so fucking pumped. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Top Gun, dude. I don't even like the original. No, I don't care for the. I original. don't even like it. Yeah. I just want I, I just you know I, I like this like 
second half of Tom Cruise's career more than the first. I don't consider them movies. I've I've said this before. They are, <laughs> oh stop. I don't. It. I consider. Get I can, the fuck out of I here. I consider them Tom Cruise exhibitions. And Get that, the fuck they're Tom, out they're of Tom here. Cruise vehicles. I don't give a crap about the story. I don't give a crap about the action sequences. It's all. It's I'm I'm always taken out of the movie. I'm like, what the hell is Tom Cruise doing? Are you acting like Ghost Protocol is not incredible? What was what? Ghost, Ghost Protocol. Protocol? Are you acting like that movie's not fucking awesome? How about fucking Fallout, dude? Uh, Fallout. I don't care about. I I don't care about. You're Fallout, a lunatic. I, I do like. Uh, I like. I like. I like them fine. They're fine movies. They're fine. <laughs> they're great. They're no, awesome. they're, they're not that great. They're fine. When are you gonna <laughs> choose to be happy? Okay. When are you gonna choose to enjoy life? There are these just simple pleasures the out there. The average Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie is better than the average James Bond movie. Mm, yeah. Maybe, oh, yeah. fuck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not even close. <laughs> that's not even controversial. Yeah. No, that's not a controversial opinion at all. When am I going to I mean, be? the peaks and valleys are much steeper with the Bond movies, yeah. I think. Yeah. But when am I going to be happy, Nico? When are you going to try bacon? <laughs> when are you going to have spaghetti, yeah, Adam? Uh, Shut uh, the fuck up. Both I have of you. had spaghetti at least. <laughs> Jesus Christ. At least, you guys are. at least I've tried it. <laughs> you you will not worst. be my wingman any day. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's why is this a thing? No- Let's play a game. <laughs> what? I was gonna say nothing but hatred here. I know we're spicy. Today. This, is a, this is a mean Vitriol. one. Meanwhile, Adam and I are traveling this week together. Yeah, I know we gotta travel. We're gonna be together for, for forty-eight four, hours. Four hours. Yeah, we're, we're traveling four hours up there, and then probably four hours. Yeah. No, I'm definitely not driving with you guys. I've decided by the end of this podcast. I've decided. I know, dude. You might want to. You might want to. Should we? This podcast is long enough already, but I'm just going to lay out the scenario for the listeners at home. (laughs) Adam and I are going to a wedding. We're getting married, as a matter of fact. That's what's happening. (laughs) We're finding a state that will certify our union. (laughs) We're going to a wedding. Yes. We have to stay for two nights. It's a two-day affair. We're taking two days out of the work week to fucking go to this wedding. (sighs) Really quick, my uncle is getting married. He's getting married at 1 p.m. on a Friday. That's insane. What? That's insane. Is there anything ruder than <laughs> that? Because <laughs> it's not like a destination wedding where it's like people are just not going to fucking go. It's like, no, you have to take a day off work for me. Well, that's what I'm doing. That's what. Yeah, that's what. what, what and what it sounds like what you guys are doing is the same shit. I'm taking putting two, our lives aside. I'm yes. taking two days off of work because the the. The hotel that we had to book had a two-night minimum. You can't just book one night. There was no wedding special. Like usually, no. if you ha- two-night minimum, usually that's now, a thing. That- now we have to go to the rehearsal dinner anyway for some fucking reason. Okay. So we had to go the night before. I don't know why they couldn't have done the rehearsal dinner at a fucking Denny's like here. I mean, that would have got the job uh. done for me. But we have to travel up there. It's a two-night affair. Abby and Adam want me to drive with them. Mm-hmm. I. I'm leaning on no pretty heavily because I need to be able to flee. That's true. I am like a, ref- a Cuban refugee. You know what I mean? Like I need to be able to go if I have to go. If I have to, you know, fucking flee my war-torn nation. That's and okay. I feel like this wedding might be equivalent to the battlefield. You think so? And I just need to be able to go for a fucking drive. And I don't want to be tied down to like, oh, you gonna DD? Are you are, when are you going home? Are you checking out at eight? You, like I just want to be able to fucking go if I want to go. I know, I know, I know. But it is a long drive. 
I would, in your shoes, drive my own car. But that's just, <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> no offense, Adam. Honestly, uh, here's the thing, Nico. If I'm in your shoes, I drive my own car, too. Right. <laughs> yes. Like, I wouldn't mind driving I agree with your you sensibilities yeah, 100%. I do. I, do. I want to escape as well. I don't like, I, I never like going somewhere where I'm not the one driving. I so. hate it. That just happened hate to Abby it. last night. Hate it. She just just happened to her, and it was like the, the most frustrating part of the evening. I'm not, I yeah. wouldn't mind driving you guys. I wouldn't mind that. And then I have my car and I can still go. And then yeah. you guys have to deal with the Ubers. That sucks. That right. sucks. You see what I mean? So now you put, you put yourself in my close. shoes for a second. It's not fun. I don't want to do that. I think I'm going by myself. <laughs> I think I'm making the trek by myself. Pop yeah. on some podcasts. I've yeah. decided. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good talk. All right. Let's play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't play like 20 questions with you and Abby in the car. I mean, you just can't do it. You could bring Cinephile. I can't. Oh, God. Could you imagine? A game that you you never win? God. For three hours? <laughs> we're just naming fucking Bill Paxton movies. How'd you do in the framed, by the way? Did, I, did you check framed? I uh, got it in the first game. Good. Yeah, I good. got it in four, and I've never even seen the movie. That one was, very, again, the last couple have been extremely easy. Yeah. Okay, uh, what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing? Bruce Campbell. Wait, didn't we? Have we, we must done have done it for Evil Dead or Evil Dead Two, rather. No, we weren't doing the show back then, were we? We weren't doing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think Bruce Campbell. Okay. Yeah. Okay. King of the Cons. I got it. All right. What are you gonna say? Does he charge for signatures? I imagine so. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Five million dollars, okay. by the way. Some of my friends went to West Hartford the other day because Stanley from The Office was making an appearance. Really? At you know that place? Uh, what was that place called? Uh, it's like the, the that that brewery with the the food trucks outside in West Hartford. Oh, Gastro Park. Yeah, we've been there. Yeah. So there was like an advertisement online: pretzel contest with celebrity judge Stanley from The Office. I don't know what. The Not guy's even name. the actor's name, just Stanley from The I don't Office. Know, just a picture of him. <laughs> And so they went, they're like, oh, this is interesting. It's like a, I don't know what a pretzel contest is or what he's judging, but I'll go. They get there. Yep, that's a pretzel. There's a line of 300 people waiting for a signature and picture with Stanley from the office. He's charging 40 bucks a head. Holy shit. Huh? That's pretty good. 40 bucks Why? a head. I don't know. I've not given a shit about meeting less famous people than him. Forty dollars. I've met several people more famous than Stanley from the office. Yeah. I I wouldn't pay two dollars to meet them. Do you know how much I would pay for anybody's signature? Zero dollars. Zero. I don't want I don't want your fucking You're autograph. You're a fucking sucker. You're a fucking sucker. Stanley though. Of all it's forty dollars. Like, like it sounds like a joke. Stanley from the office. Yes. Which, the fact that none of us even know his name. We're calling him Stanley from The Office. Yeah, it's a little. You show somebody the signature, they go, who's that? And you go, it's Stanley from The Office. It's a signature. $40! Yeah. They went, ah, this will be a fun event. I'll meet Stanley. No, turns out there's a crowd, like, fucking Beatlemania. (laughs) Circa 1963. Oh, my God. Of just, like, you know, hormonal teenage girls who binge-watch The Office on Netflix. So the point you're making is that 
Bruce Campbell has this number and then some. Yes, like that's time, what I'm saying. Times like I'll, I'll tw- say 10 million. 12. 10 million? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll say... Fuck you guys. 7.5 million. Ugh. <laughs> uh, okay. You're a real <laughs> cocky bastard. That's, that's interesting. I hope it's eight. <laughs> I hope it's eight million. As a matter of fact, it is actually 7.5 on the dot. Five, seven point five, and ten. Well, it's one of those rare occurrences. One of us got it exactly right. Wow. Well, it's not me then because they never do seven point five. I <laughs> hope to God you got it right. The actual net worth of Bruce Campbell. A healthy ten million dollars. I just won this week's edition of How Many Drew Carey. Good for him. Good job. I guess we could play How Many Drew Carries on the ride. <laughs> I have to play the music every time. I don't right? think, I don't think Abby would be would be out of something any quicker. Who's driving? I mean, it's a, yeah, who is driving? Who I, drives? Is it do you yeah, drive when or you, does Abby drive? Yeah, I drive. Oh, you drive? fuck that. Yeah, I usually drive. Fuck that. Well, I was gonna You're say Abby a better like, driver than Abby. We actually just wait, asked uh, ourselves uh, oh, this question. This was say that out loud again and let it th- think about that for about two seconds before, <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not surprised Adam's a better driver than Abby. No offense, Abby, but I'm not surprised. No, 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 no. Abby is a better driver than Abby. Uh, I might say she is a better driver. She is. She's a, I actually see she's quite an excellent driver. I think uh, are I've you two f- both terrible drivers? No, no. She's She is very um, consistent, is what I'll say. I, we, we just had she, to know. She, no, she, okay. she is. There's an attention to detail with yes. her. It's not right. But okay. What? In fairness, I've never driven with Abby, but I was under the impression she wasn't a good driver. Great driver, but here's I the wouldn't th- say great. Take it easy there. Relax. No, great. <laughs> I wouldn't be throwing around the word great. I would there. put her above you. I would certainly say that. Wow, wow. you are just wrong. No, a hundred percent correct. Having driven with both, Nick. Correct <laughs> record on this, please. I've never driven with Abby. No, I just. Why do you I, take pride you think, in how much how how you drive? Because I'm a great driver. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm a great driver, and I won't let anyone say otherwise. You do on love the air. driving more than me. I will not. I won't allow this. This is why I don't really care. Is because I don't like driving at all. But I will say this: I was comfortable sleeping in my own car while Nico drove. All right, that's good, and that's, that's good pretty sleep. rare. Um, this is what I always say: like Abby is very like c- consistent and good, and like like she doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, drives like she feels better on the highway than I do for some reason. I don't know why, but she cannot back up. She can't do it. So there is that. Like she can't like turn around and put her hand on the on the seat and just like drive with. <laughs> what just happened? Case the in fuck? point. <laughs> if that ain't the best metaphor for what <laughs> that was good. Even I love that one. It was a Coen Brothers gag. <laughs> yeah, shit just starts yeah. falling over. Oh, we need a camera for that one. That Miming was... the driving motion, Adam just knocked Max. over a bunch of water bottles. <laughs> what were they doing there? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, she yeah, she can't she can't back up, cannot steer with like one hand while looking out the back, and she also can't drive in the city. So that but I don't mind doing that at all. Let I actually me, let me be abundantly clear about that. I love that. Let me yeah. be abundantly clear. Yeah. I'm a great driver. Mm. Abby's a good driver. Adam's a bad driver. <laughs> okay. I just want I just want to put that out there. I think I have a, a full enough sample size to know that is the ranking of. This. When's the last time you drove with me? It's usually you driving. Damn straight. There's a reason for that. This can't be fair. There's a reason for that. 
How many times have, have I driven with uh, you? Uh, enough to know to not do it again. Can you remember the last time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm working through it with my therapist right now. <laughs> oh, is that traumatizing? It's, it's oh, Jesus. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's why this is the thing. Uh, I don't know what we're doing next week, but come here, you'll find out. <laughs> that's it. Sounds good. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> You've been so very, very naughty. Mm. Mm. No. 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 no.